This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Aetherite Radio Gamers Games Final Fantasy XIV Podcast on Fusion X. Joining me today, it's Rook. It's it's just, it's Rook. That's... <laughs> Everybody yep, else is me. gone. Hey. Nobody else. They're like, Long. well, we're going to get to the guests. <laughs> we're going to get to the guests. We have amazing guests today. Today we're joined by Krev and D-Nug Life. So, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Uh, so before we get into our discussion today, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. What do you do? Uh, Krev, we'll start with you. Sure. Uh, well, I'm Krev. I'm a Twitch partner, Final Fantasy XIV creator as my main, and I play a lot of also indie games. Um, I focus on indie games every weekend, which I'll be doing as well today. Um, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Krev or on Twitter at KrevLMTV. And that's about me. Hey, Dina, We're Krev! <laughs> we love Krev! We love Krev! <laughs> Uh, my name is Dino or Dino Live, whichever you prefer. Um, I play a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen too. Stream on Twitch three days a week, um, and play a lot of content around Final Fantasy fourteen. Actually, it took me a while to find this space because I think, like a lot of people, when you're kind of wandering around the internet figuring out games to play, uh, I'm grateful to have someone across Final Fantasy fourteen. But yeah, it's where I've been living for the last three, four years, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like that your mic didn't pick it up. So for a second, yeah. you're just like. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Tell me lower. Speak more. D, yeah. No, tell me more. Tell me more. Hello, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Okay. So uh, today we're going to talk about uh, expansions and where we think they kind of rank in our own uh, our own list. There was some discussion about that uh, a couple weeks ago. But first, uh, some quick news bits. Uh, patch three point five eight is now out. Um, so if you didn't get uh, some stuff from that last season of Crystal in Conflict, oops. Rook, did you get it's everything? Did you did you get all the stuff this time? I got it all this time. I got it all like two days in. But now there's been a ton of discussion about this because I am still confused about this. And I think the vast majority of everybody except for hardcore PvP players are also confused about this. The rewards are still available, right? Until the next major patch. Yeah, so yeah. the series yeah. is not over. The season is over, but the series is not. The series is the prize season. Yes. So you do still have time to get oh. stuff. See, I I know. See, <laughs> it's like it's it's like variation or what are the, the the Criterion Dungeons? There's like five different names for it. Variant. <laughs> it's just, just why can't yeah. you just make it simple? The series and season question i think yeah. is confusing to a lot of people, and I was in the same boat where mm -hmm. I was telling my stream. Right before the patch came out, like get all your rewards in, and somebody went, "Well, you well, got Rook, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. like I'm, a yeah. month." <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's definitely something that like people like me who PvP all the time like are are a bit more well averse with it because people are like, "Oh, you only have a short now." I was like, "No, you still got like a whole another season to go mm -hmm. before wow. that's gonna go away." I, I could get that armor if I really, really, yeah. really wanted. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. So uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to to whatever the thing was that changed with Crystal and Conflict, uh, they've done some PvP adjustments, um, and then of course the bigger one is raid restrictions are removed. So if you are still progging or whatever with uh, Pandemonium, uh, you don't need to worry about that stuff anymore. Um, we also have the uh, winners for the furniture design contest that they had. Yeah. Some really good Dunning quality stuff. things in here. I know uh, Fruity's probably really excited. There's some really good fishing-related things 
Uh, my favorite was the, uh, they had the, whoop, oh, wrong button. Oh my God, I hit the wrong button. I leaned onto my screen. <laughs> I never do that. There's fish things. We're done. We're done. Fish furniture. We're out. Somebody did the, uh, like a, like a talking on the wall, like Momoa, like fish where it's like, if you click on it, it opens the Oh mouth. God. Like the singing like the, fish. Oh, yeah. God. Like Can the bass. Remember the singing bass? Oh, if God. if we had if we had a singing bass in Final Fantasy fourteen, what Final am... Fantasy fourteen song would it sing? Oh my God, I have very distinct PTSD from those things, so I will <laughs> happily avoid it. Thank you. My favorite was when they started like they would start dying, and then their head would oh, turn on no. the wall, and you just hear like ah, it's like the Furbies, here. anything that talks. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, there were actually yeah. sorry, just to say, there were actually yeah, yeah, yeah. some incredibly good designs mm -hmm. in this furnishing contest. I know a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, I didn't get selected this time," but so many of the winners were incredible. And honestly, whether you were selected, not selected, the designs that I've seen posted, I think were some of the best ones we've had yet. They were yeah. so, 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 so good. And I know Zanidra, one of our co-hosts, submitted, and I don't think any of hers won. But again, like, nobody seems to be having really hard feelings about that because so many of the designs just across the board were top-tier excellent. And the ones that did win i'm so excited to have in the game because a lot of them were yeah. ones that i'm going i would use that i would use that i would yeah. use that oh yeah. i always wanted that this 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 it's so, so good somebody submitted a, a pillar that's also a bookcase i was like yes please yes. like the amount of times <laughs> i've tried to like corner bookcases on a pillar and it just looks weird i'm like just i just need something better uh so yeah definitely go check out all those winners up on the lodestone um also hatching tide it's, it's going on right now Depending on when you're listening to this episode, if it's if it's past Tuesday, that's you missed it. So go get your your Tonberry costume and your, uh, your little what, what was the name of the emote? It was like terrify? I think frighten. So. I frighten. Think frighten. Frighten. And that's yeah. a process, right? Because you have to like do the fate like a couple yeah, times to be able I've, to. I'm like dreading doing it because I did the fate yeah. once, and then I've just been like sitting in Gridania <laughs> or not Gridania uh, in the uh, the Black Shroud, and I'm just sitting here like, come the, on, the like wait between <laughs> those fates felt unusually yeah. long to me when i was trying for, to do yeah it. for a special event fate it did feel like unnaturally long i was just like cool i guess i'm gonna go clean my house while i wait for the next one like <laughs> yeah yeah i think for for if you want to get everything um you get the emote from the quest but mm -hmm. then you need two fates if you want absolutely everything if you yeah. just want the tonberry costume and you don't care about the poster i still need to do that i didn't get the poster uh <laughs> but yeah so like two 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 fates two rounds yeah, so. I got. I think I got the head and like the hands, and I still need like the body and the bottoms. I think. Yeah. Okay. Bottoms are not huge. Like you're you're not going <laughs> to see the bottoms anyway. But like, really <laughs> but not, not the shoes really it, either. Like, but man, yeah. why didn't I do it? Oh, my, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always one of those things where I find if there's a set or some kind of seasonal event thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't really need that, and then two years later, I've got some glam, and I'm going. Those stupid that. hands from two <laughs> years ago would have been perfect. Yeah. Every every time I look at my mount list, there's the the little heart chairs they had for Valentino's one day. I did the yeah. quest and everything. I forgot to buy the other side of the chair. No. Oh, oh that's no. kind of cute though. Not that I ever <laughs> use the mount, but it's just that little thing. It just every time I see it, I'm just like, <laughs> like <laughs> literally broken hearted. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's it. That's it for news. Just a couple things this week. Um, so that's going to take us into our discussion. So a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, 
Um, they announced that Stormblood is going to be free for everybody that has the starter expansion for a limited time. So uh, if you have that and haven't picked that up yet, go get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and one of the uh, outlets out there <laughs> published this news to the world as saying the worst Final Fantasy XIV expansion is now free for a limited time. Boy, did that cause some discussion. Oh, yeah. Rude. <laughs> discussion is a very tame way of putting that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we thought it'd be interesting to kind of go through the expansion, uh, each expansion, and see what each one of them brought to the table and to see, is Stormblood really the worst expansion? I like how mm-hmm. politely, you know, your fusion's just like, we're going to go through and have a measured discussion about each of the uh-huh. expansions. And in my head, I'm like, we're going to fight to the death about which one's the best. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, al- I already know that. that well, and, and maybe my opinion will change during the mm-hmm. course of this discussion. But like for me, Endwalker's pretty down, down. Yeah. Okay, down fusion. There. All right. So, oh, okay, yeah. oh, you said that live, huh? Okay. Yeah, I oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> and I've said it before. Yeah, it's just coming out. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll just get this out of the way. I'll just go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just get it out of the way. Krev, D, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Fusion has the hottest of takes, and <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to lay into him for it. No. I'm just going to give Ro- you permission. Rook gave me permission. I'm sorry. So I was I'm already just... I was already pre-expecting sass from Rook, but now I have to just uh-huh. every, uh-huh. everybody. Oh now the mute Krev button makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, we'll start with Heaven's, Heaven's Word, because Heaven's Word was the first expansion. I mean, technically, some people are like, well, 2.0. I mean, there was a 1.0, so 2.0, Realm Reborn was an expansion. It was a reboot. We're going to say Heaven's Word was the first expansion for the sake of this discussion. Um, so what did we have in Heaven's Word? Um, I mean, the big things, right? New MSQ, right? With with any any story we got, or with any expansion, we got uh, the Dragon Song War, we got uh, lots of dragons. I know Rook likes dragons, so this is yeah. Already, as I say this in caps in the in our outline that we have to kind of loosely follow this, all dragons. caps. It just says dragon. I literally, I'm Brackets like, break. oh no, yeah. this this list is not we to, right. We need to remember that there are dragons in this expansion. Are you going to? You want to go down and add that in Endwalker too? More, more dragons. <laughs> Just, I mean, very tempting, but I will say, you know, Heavensward is where they introduced the dragon, so I would say mm. that's really a feature of this expansion. I mean, we had we had a dragon in 2.x. Don't you remember that that amazing duty, Steps of Faith, that everybody loved? Oh my I... god, before the work, yeah, holy. <laughs> okay, look, I actually do like that duty. <laughs> okay, enough, enough. <laughs> I'm so sorry, that's my hot take of the day. <laughs> and I would say a large reason why I like that duty was because of the giant dragon in it, so... Back in my day, we, we had duties that weren't just in a square. <laughs> We'd had a long <laughs> rectangle. All right, go to sleep, Grandpa. It's past look, your bedtime. Elevation, bed we had steps and trials. <laughs> But yes, Heavensward did introduce dragons, and particularly the first brood, which is crucial to our experience in Final Fantasy XIV. So I just want to make sure everybody remembers mm-hmm. that, because it's very important. Yeah. Um, so we had, I mean, with that story, too, we also had Az's Law, which was, like, super cool, right? We had Crystal Tower raid pop up in 2.x. So, like, hey, check out this, like, the you know, the it's totally Final Fantasy VI's floating continent, wink, wink. Um, but it's also, <laughs> you know, Allegantide, which is really cool. Um but then, you know, with jobs, we had Machinist, we had Astrologian, and we had Dark Knight. Um, three three jobs in an expansion. Wow. Three jobs, which was amazing. But three jobs that had a very spicy start. Yes. 
A very yeah. spicy start and a lot of adjustments that were needed. Yeah, I mean, I still remember when they announced these, there was this idea that, like, these are, like, advanced jobs. And I was like, ooh, okay. And then they were pretty quick to be like, let's just kind of, all jobs are the same. <laughs> we're just... <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did we never we never said that. <laughs> um But yeah, and then some of the big ones, right? Well we'll I think we'll we'll go down the list and we'll just kind of discuss, right? Um hmm. for raids we had Void Arc, right? Uh which was Void Arc, uh Amd not Amdapur. No, we Weeping City of Mock. Weeping City mm -hmm. of Mock, that's the one. And then uh oh my gosh. I I knew these. I, I know these, I swear. Void Arc What's Weeping the... City of Mock and the ship one. What the hell? Dunscape, right? Dun Dunscape. Dunscape. Yeah, Dunscape. Um, How well have I gone Dunscape? I don't know. Because I get on live. I couldn't, couldn't eyes tell you why. I don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I vividly love... remember watching my wife do Void Arc on her PS3. Oh my wow. God. Those, <laughs> those wall textures. Let <laughs> me tell you. Oof. <laughs> I will say, Funscape. As the community, okay. Okay. as the community calls it, <laughs> who called it that? Yeah. Who are these people? Show me. Uh, Show me well, <laughs> at least every person I personally knew called it Funscape. <laughs> Perhaps ironically, but in a way that made us all giggle. Um, I think, out of funnily enough, out of all the alliance raids in the entire game, I think that is the one that I remember farming the most ever for anything during mm. the the relic weapon. And I loved that one because it was brutal. For anybody who doesn't know, when it was first released, there, like you literally, it was one of the only alliance raids I can think of where I, to this day, still think that the way it was tuned initially when it was released, you needed to have looked at a guide or something because some of the mechanics in those fights were not particularly obvious and they were complex enough that... I literally remember having to look up a guide as a newer-ish player because I came in around this era and going, and then that does what? And which symbol is what thing? And the and then okay, hold on. <laughs> it, you know that that actually reminds me of something else. Um, you know, talking about Dunskyth being the the one that you farmed the most. Um, that actually had an update to it too. It's the only time they've done this with a raid where you could fight. Uh... The little Ultima boy. The, yeah, the they proto, the proto Ultima. Ultima. Proto Ultima mm -hmm. weapon. <laughs> remember? So for, oh for those God. that don't remember, this was so fun. The first fan fest. Uh, first fan fest? Yeah, it would have had to. First? No. Second fan fest? I'm trying to remember. Odin was first <laughs> fan fest, I think. So then proto Ultima would have been second. So one of the first two fan fests. <laughs> Time is a weird soup. Um, the the like the battle challenge was a proto Ultima fight, and it took place on this little island, just kind of floating in Azizah, and it was like a twenty four man trial. And everyone's like, "Oh, okay, that's kind of cool." <laughs> and so after fan fest, I remember uh, they, they they didn't add a twenty four man trial. They had a quest and if somebody that goes into Funscythe with you had the the quest flagged at this one portion instead of just some random ads like Proto Ultima would show up and then you <laughs> could get like a token to exchange for some other stuff and I remember asking Yoshida at one point like why did you add this in here instead of a trial he's like why did you think we would add it as a trial and I'm like Yoshida you had this as a trial at FanFest what do you mean why do we think this would have been a trial um, so yeah that's the only time that they've done something like that I've, I'd forgotten about that 
Um, I remember everybody being disappointed about that. Like I myself, because mm. I was told that it was going to be a trial. And then like all of a sudden yeah. we're so excited. And then we're like, why are we going back into Dunscape? Why? Yeah. Why? Oh no, I hate this. Yeah. So I was not a fan, not yeah. a fan of that. I mean, scene. his reasoning made sense. The idea of like, okay, like it's already hard sometimes to queue for older, like for certain content. You want 24 people to have to like get queued up for a trial. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. But like, yeah, looking back now on Void Arc in like the grander scheme, if we're going to look at and try and say which one's the best, which one's the worst, what's, you know, all that kind of stuff. Void Arc is a solid, it's a solid 24 man. I think a lot of the lore stuff around it is neat. I think the aesthetic of the Void Arc was something that was so distinctive for a lot of players. And obviously later on, we would see that kind of evolve further with the Void and the towers and everything else in Endwalker. I love that kind of aesthetic, but is it the best showing of Alliance raids we've had? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not one yeah. of my absolute favorites. I, I do have really fond memories of Dunscathe and how spicy it was and the absolute wipes as everybody got blastoed off the platform. And I enjoyed it for the difficulty there, but I don't think I would rank it as like, yes, this is one of my favorite Alliance raid sets of all time. You know what I, I do remember about Void Arc? And I don't think they've done this with anything since. Uh, you know, feel free to correct me. Uh, you could see Void Arc just flying around in the Sea of Clouds. And, and because this was an Alliance raid, we didn't get this till the 3.1 patch. So like... For months after the expansion, we're like, what is that thing floating around out there? <laughs> like, you that can. was really cool. And it still is visible today. You can still see it yeah. in Ozzy's Law. And they have done some stuff like that since. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Evil East raids. You can still see Evil that, that. Yeah, you can see oh, okay. that ship in Kagane. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah I, that was such though, a cool thing. The, I think my favorite from that three was Weeping City. And I liked, I think, Weeping City more so for the same reasons you like Dunscathe was that it was hard and it was challenging. And I loved just like queuing into the madness like repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I'll do that with like 24 mans when they first come out, just going through the 24 mans for a first time or the first couple of times. It's just so panic ensuing, but I love that. I think that was probably my favorite of the, of the, uh, the three total because Void Arc I felt was kind of like, it was a cool intro, but I feel like it wasn't as developed as the other two were. And then Dunscape's kind of mid-change boss just kind of threw me for a loop. So I'd say the only one that I really loved was probably Weeping City. Yeah. Ozma still, I think, gives everyone PTSD. I mean, yeah. I, th I mean, Mach was, was kind of a, a little... It had a lot of nice, yeah. like, nine references in it. Like, the music. We had Ozma. Yeah. Um, and and there was an interesting mechanic with that first, the the spider fight, too, with, with that bit of verticality mm -hmm. where, like, some people had to drop down. And, like, that was really yeah. cool. I always say we I'm don't glad, have enough verticality in this game. I'm glad you brought up Ozma because it would have been such a disservice if we had talked about these raids and not discussed mm -hmm. Ozma. Ozma yes. is such a cool design. And I still, I do remember the first time I ever went up there and that platform and the music. And then when you switch into that, the, you know, the part where everybody split and all the yeah. music becomes that kind of orchestral, yeah. it was Holy cow. It was a cool I, fight. It's so yeah. cool. And I think to this day, it's still one of the most visually unique bosses, concepts, ideas that we sort of have within the greater fantasy landscape, I guess, because mm -hmm. she is so cool. She, they, it, the, the orb, the shifting the alien cube orb, orb cube, <laughs> Ozma. 
um, is unbelievable to me because I, I love that concept. It's so sci-fi and yet it fits into everything. And then later, even with some of the stuff they would expand on where you have the Osmic fight kind of come back mm -hmm. in Eureka with Baldessian Arsenal and then the Mount. I loved that. I thought that was such yeah. a cool idea. I mean, and there, was, there was some really cool, like, I don't know. It's not environmental storytelling if it's during a fight, is it? Maybe it still it is. is. Like, yeah. that, that, that part where it sucks you in and you're like, oh, so this is what happened to Nim. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh. Like, that was really cool the first time they did that. Um, okay, so that's 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 Void Arc. Uh, we also had Alexander. Um, I loved the steampunk aesthetic they had with Alexander. Uh, the story, maybe not so much, uh, but that's because right with the expansion, you you know, you always compare, there, there was already something to compare it to, and that was Binding Coil, which was so integrated into the main story of 2.0 that they had this big, like, aether-sucking primal just kind of chilling over here, like, yeah, we should probably do something about that, you know, but if only if you have time. It felt kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, lo I love the aesthetic of it. I mean, it got really crazy when, when they added Brute Justice, where they went, like, full-on, like, robot Sentai. Like, that was ridiculous. Um I think that quest I had to read like a couple times to be able to understand what was actually yeah. going on. Yeah. I have a soft spot for that one just because that one was my first like official raid tier. Like I remember going back right before Creator had launched and then learning it and then going back in through Creator as it my first Savage. So I have like very fond memories of it. They may not necessarily be the best fights and, and certainly I can think of a thousand other fights that are better, but it has this like special, like on the shelf kind of like <laughs> special feeling like that's so cool. Do I ever want to do it again? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I hear exponential entropy, I just kind of like, ah, yeah. forward it back. <laughs> Alexander raids were the great static breakers. I mean, yeah. we definitely yeah. had moments of that in Binding Coil with some of the fights and Twintanya and things. It's so funny to me even that, uh, for example, in the TV show that they did, uh, Dad of Light, or Daddy of Light, if you go with the original title, which I still think <laughs> may be spicy for a Western audience, but hilarious that anybody let that get through. Uh, Dad <laughs> of Light, I they even reference in that, like, the hardest fight in the whole game, Twintanya. <laughs> and it makes me giggle because there were definitely points in Coil where I think we saw some of that. But Alexander, I think within the grand sort of spectrum of the game, is oftentimes loved and hated the most with raids because it was perhaps a peak of difficulty in Final Fantasy XIV. And there were many other things that contributed to this. In addition to, you know, the, the new uh, classes and the balance and everything else and the fact that it was a first expansion and they were trying to figure out how to sort of do this and how difficult first, was too First difficult. Savage modes, too. For, mm -hmm. Well, at least on the regular. Like, they, they threw some in, like, the middle of Coil and then they didn't for, like, the last year. They're like, let's try yeah. this. Um, yeah. So it was notorious for just breaking statics, but it also, to this day, is oftentimes one of the eras of the game where I think the most Savage Raiders kind of reflect back on it, like, I've loved this, and I miss this time period. And I have to say that even though I didn't raid during that era, having now seen, you know, 10 years and all of our other expansions and everything else... Alexander, to me, is still the most stylistically distinctive of all the raids that we have. The mm -hmm. music has its own entire genre in the game. It is yeah. its own thing. 
to this day, if anybody, if you're like, if, I think if you ask a lot of people, uh, you know, pick out a raid music piece and sing a bit of it to me, almost everybody, I bet you, would pick something from Alexander because so much of the music in those fights is so distinctive in a way that you cannot get it out of your head. There, there were <laughs> times know? where like I would pull up Rise and like the lyrics and try and follow along. Like I, I would do that for hours. Just like, how did they do this live? This is insane. Um, Alexander Ray t uh, was where they were also the last ones that had trash mobs as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, true. Yeah, they got rid of those. Yeah, I loved the little kind of run ups or things like that. I, I mean, Alexander's fights. I think, like Krev said, I wouldn't necessarily say in the grand spectrum of things that all of those fights were absolute winners, top tier fight design, boss design in the game, but. I liked that it still felt like a, a raid in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and that you did, even though they broke it up and it wasn't just one big long thing, like in WoW, it still felt like you had, you know, this literal journey in physical space that you could think about and kind of put together as you worked your way through the body. And I think some of the bosses were really distinctive and the music was so good and the whole aesthetic was was fantastic. So it's definitely up there, but it definitely broke a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just look at the amount of people that had severe PTSD when T came out and Pepsi Man was the, the uh, Pepsi point. Man. Like <laughs> yep. that mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I saw people just like in like sheer terror because of that. Oh, My no, son, he's like back. I didn't raid through it on content like Pepsi Man or any of that stuff, but I went back and did it and even that gave me a little bit of PTSD when I went into <laughs> T for the first time. So I was like, mm, uh, I'm okay. <laughs> um moving on for duties, we had the Warring Triad. Uh, which, I mean, obviously, if we have Azzy's Law, which is totally not the floating continent from Six, like, we had to have the floating, you know, the, the Warring Triad. Um, I think some of these are, are some of my, what, like, my favorite tracks in the game, especially the one from Sophia. Once we got the, the lyrics and, like, the full, like, lore explanation at, at the fan fest the following year about it, I'm just like, oh, my God, this song is so good. Um, yep. These are my favorite of the supplemental... Uh, trial fights that we have in the mm. game they're so good they're yeah. so good and that's not to say that i don't like other sets or maybe i like you know parts of other sets more but warring triad to me not only was it really interesting not only did it expand on the lauren stuff and ozzy slaw not only did it give us characters like anukali and that garlean guy that's a part of that he was uh, hydrus van hydrus hydrus van hydrus he had a cerulean <laughs> tiger Yes, but Hydrus I thought was interesting enough and uh, an interesting foil to a lot of the other Guardians that we had seen thus far while still being villainous. And those three fights just on their own are, I just love them so much. I love the music. I love the boss design. I love how each of them has really distinctive, unique, and interesting mechanics. I mean, Sephiroth has you deal so much with this navigation of space as well as the, you know, the ad phases and things like that. And then the second half, that sort of flow of positioning as you are dealing with all the stuff and the knockbacks. And again, that navigation of space element is so great. Sophia's fight was revolutionary to me. When I first was learning about endgame content and MMOs and we got Sophia's fight and they go, and then you have to look at the sides of the arena and try to count how many weights are going into either side and it'll be a long or a short slide and it'll be this or that. And I just remember thinking, 
I didn't know that games could do this in this kind of content. I didn't realize that you could have something like this that's so distinctive. And her music and arena, all the animations. And then, of course, the Zervin, which, you know, I think was a huge test for a lot of groups. There's that whole Skip Soar meme Skip Soar. that we get introduced. Yep. Yeah. But the big <laughs> birthday cake surprise of death that nobody... <laughs> Uh, nobody got away from unscathed. I mean, he was really interesting, um, even his DPS checks and stuff like that. So I think for me, this is probably my favorite of the supplemental sort of primals that we've had because they were all just so interesting to me. Zervin was really, I mean, we we saw this in, in um, when you go up against Thordan at the end of, of Heavensward. But I think in, in terms of just like kind of like mid mid patch cycle duties too i think zervin was maybe the first one where we had like a transition like like a crazy animated transition right because i don't think we had that with with sephiroth or with i mean uh, sephiroth had a just mini... falls down doesn't he just like come oh down. he, he kind of comes down, up becomes, but but, yeah. but zervin went like full cinematic like, the oh, yeah, no, that was and, first yeah. Time. yeah 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 yeah, I would say, I, I don't know, that that always made me feel weird, because then it just made the fight feel, like, dragged on. Like, I know it was a mm. cool transition, but if you had to do that fight more than once, which sure. all of us did, <laughs> yeah, um, true, true. it just got so annoying, to be honest. And I feel like they took that as, like, oh, man, let's do this for every fight going forward. And then we just never saw fights without it. Um, so, I mean, I, I really did. I loved those fights. Um, I would just say Heaven's Word in general had the most amazing trial fights, regardless, even outside of the Warring Triad, because my two favorite trials out of all of the expansions are Thornton and Nidhogg. So mm. like though, like that expansion just gave me a whole new level of trials that like I was so excited <laughs> to do. We were just farming, I think, um, Extreme Thornton to get through the birds, and we did that unsynced. And I was like, you know, for fun, let's just do it synced. And the pain, the agony, the amount <laughs> of mechanics, the way okay. each adds has like a different ability set. People yep. were getting thrown left, right, and center. I was like, oh, because I started playing in Stormblood, so at the end of Stormblood. So I got introduced to all these um, kind of uh, trials and dungeons with the raiding group because they were like, hey, you've missed out you know, on some experiences of what these mechanics are called. Because they were saying things, the things about raiding in Final Fantasy XIV is they'll use lingo that you've never heard of before. And they're like, let's show you where we learn these lingos. And they kind of brought me like back into it. So yeah, definitely. I think Heaven's Lord is one of those ones where, like you mentioned, the transitions coming from WoW when it's just fight, 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 fight. When Sephiroth fell down and came back up again, I lost my mind. I was like, what is this? Where is this person come from? And when Zervan smashes the screen and comes through, yeah, like I, I loved it. It was uh, as much as it, I definitely did get old. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I still remember the the uh, what was the was it Power, Power Man five hundred five thousand that came out like when when the Sephiroth music came out. And they're like, this sounds just like our music. Bro. They were like <laughs> trying to like eat off the hype of fourteen. It was just like, no, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It is very Final Fantasy, though, isn't it? To have these extremely cinematic things in fights yeah. where, I mean, so much of why I think for a long time, Eleven proved this wrong, but I think the idea of like translating classic Final Fantasy into an MMO format was a little bit daunting in the sense that even when you look at classes like Summoner, right? It's like, well, you can't make everybody else in the party wait while your Ifer animation goes off where you have the entire cutscene where he descends from the heavens and smashes the meteorite into the ground. And so while it does get frustrating, I think having to repeat stuff, which I totally agree, Krev, we'll get there. But when we eventually get to the, the Shiva Eden fight with the transition oh thing with oh the stupid God. nudity oh, snake oh dragon no. rapper. Yep. 
I never oh, wanted I to see that. I forgot about that. Ever again. I was yeah. so sick of it. So it definitely, from just a gameplay standpoint, it, it holds things up in the repetition, mechanical repetition of fights. But I also love it because, just like you said, D, there is a level of spectacle to it. And so many of the bosses are still so memorable because of that spectacle, I think. Just like when you think back on any other Final Fantasy game, if you've played them, you'll remember a lot of the cutscenes of different Shivas over the years or different characters over the years. And so I, I do think it's it's great to have, and we did get that kind of introduced first with Zervin. I think it was kind of our first equivalent of almost what would become those sort of quick time events that we get, which I hadn't even really considered until now. Well, didn't we have quick time in Alexander too? Cruise Chaser. Yeah, cruise we had to jump closer. on the cruise chaser. Yeah. Oh yeah. Any other fights that had it, but no, there were there were other ones. I can't remember what they were. Hmm. It'll come it was, back to us. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> it was cruise chaser. Um, yeah, definitely remember cruise chaser having it just because I don't know how many times I died because I was too stupid to push a button. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out you can just like hit any key on anything yeah. connected oh, to it. Like, I was oh. a clicker. I clicked until I was told you can just smash your keyboard. I'm like, oh. Interesting. That makes it way easier. <laughs> yeah. Cries over here in controller player. In controller. <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here like, I got this. Uh, I got this. <laughs> my favorite is the is the one I think it's the uh the uh, little bis fight where you gotta like keep it going for like a, a oh, little yeah. longer oh, than forever. normal. I just yeah. I just act like I'm writing like my manifesto yeah. on my keyboard. I'm like <laughs> Can I make a Nailed really it. can I make a shameful admission? Always. <laughs> Before the podcast today, the Elidibus fight popped up for me while I was leveling my samurai. Mm -hmm. And we got to that point. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, yeah, he has a little bit of dialogue or something, right? So I tabbed out and looked nice. at Twitter. You were not the cause of a wipe, were you? Were you, Rook? Rook. Come on. And said, we wipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I still can't believe they never removed that as like a thing where if people failed, they didn't just die yeah. and then have to be resurrected. Mm. It still blows my mind to the to this day. If somebody doesn't do that quick time event, the whole thing wipes. Just like the fact that in the second phase, if the tanks don't time the limit break perfectly, mm -hmm. you all die, wipe and reset to phase one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was really painful because I remember just like on day one when that came out and just going through it and getting it in men's roulette all the time. And I'm like, listen, you all have to do this. Like, I'm going to warn you before we even pull the fight. You're <laughs> yeah. going to have to do this. Um, and then it was always somebody. And we I mm -hmm. think we went through it the most times we failed. We failed it four times. Oh. And at a certain point, at a certain point, yeah. I was like, I love you all. I yeah. want to be a kind mentor to you all, but please, for the love of God, let me out of this fight. And we finally got it on the last time. But yeah, I, it was yeah. so painful. I'm sure you're all amazing, but I'm trying to save us all a headache here. Just do yeah. this at this point, and we can all move on with our lives after this. It is one of those quick time events, right? It looks like you're meant to fail. Like the whole point of it is, is like you're running out of time, and it's yeah. like the your bottom pressure doesn't correlate to like how quickly the bar's filling up. So some people just go, okay, whatever. I'm thinking, I'm giving up. I'm like literally translating the MSQ energy, being like, don't give up, please, just a little bit longer. Keep pressing buttons. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit challenging. The only other thing I wanted to comment about that was like accessibility wise, it wasn't the most friendly just because mm -hmm. like it did require a lot of rapid button pushings and somebody who has like a lot of pain. I play on controller for a reason, but like 
it was it was really tough. And I, I hope that they'll take like the feedback on that, that that was not something that people loved and that they're going to be like, OK, like I'll just die at that point. If my hands hurt that bad, just let me die and not kill the whole party. Mm. I wish they even made it so you could just click on like the little button and just hold it down. Yes. And just I mean, sustain so that many way games or have that option for like QTE type things where you can either mash or just hold. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. it would be really nice to see them make that change. Um, one of the other things with Heaven's Word, uh, that was our first deep dungeon, Palace of the Dead. Yay. All 200 Yay. floors of it. Um, I love Palace of the Dead. Palace of the Dead was really cool, especially if if you are a 2.0 player, because it brought back Ida and like what her story was and what happened with them. Um, and so that was really cool to see. It was an amazing thing for leveling. Um, yeah, I... I thought that was, I mean, it's a great addition. So many new players come into the game and they'll find it and then just get stuck in it for a million years. I did that when I first, I was like, I'm going to play this forever. And then I forgot the rest of the game existed for a little while. Oh, that was absolutely. When that thing came out, that was all people I was in there all the time. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I absolutely wasted so much time in there. (laughs) I know, right? And uh, like you pointed out, Fusion, I think one of the things that's so interesting about that as well is the fact that we did have those side characters come back. One of my favorite little Easter egg side stories is about that original adventuring party and what happens to them. And it's something really subtle that people probably don't even really pick up on that much because when you're first going through ARR and you go to a lot of the beginning dungeons, there's this little adventuring party that's outside. And if you hang out, you can listen to a lot of their conversations. And eventually we do get some of the hard modes of dungeons where it actually delves into the tragedy of what happened and how, I think, was it their tank who dies, who... Yeah, and what? and and, and she just carries around his head and, I mean... Which is kind of cute, right? This is also one of those things, too, where, like, if, if you weren't playing at the time, I don't know if you can... Like, Ida would just show up in, like, Gridania. Like, you would just see her as, like, a ghost and then she would just kind of poof. Is her name Ida? What Edda? is her name? Edda. 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 I was Edda, like, Edda. we do have an Ida in the game, but hold on. <laughs> Edda. Yes. She would yeah. show up. You'd see her around. She'd appear. And then, of course, there's the Hardmore Dungeon where she, you know, felt so guilty about the loss of life because she was the party's healer that she resurrected him and she loved him. And even though he, if you listen to his dialogue, he was like clearly abusive to her and like really terrible to her. Um, and she feels so guilty that she resurrects him and brings him back. And then Palace has that continuation, which is so interesting. So it's funny because I think a lot of people who are hardcore, like when we talk to Angelus, right? I think there's a lot of things about Palace and the bonus floors that they probably might even like the most out of all of the deep dungeons that we've gotten. Personally, I was glad about how they streamlined a lot of the deep dungeons moving forward, including, you know, to some degree, our most recent one. But I do think the original palace was a great concept and the story Mm -hmm. and the floors and the challenges in it. And those, the like design of the final floors where everything is kind of turning into sand and there's these, it's really, really memorable. It's so distinctive. It's super dramatic. Like it became when it first came out, I remember I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like I remember everybody talking about it and like we're getting this new thing. And I remember going into it and I was like, I love this place. Like I spent like six or seven straight months just in Palace of the Dead. And and it has made such a profound impact on my uh, being as a player in Final Fantasy 14, because now I do it solo. I, you know, am going through all of these. The, the content I was most excited about this year, the Eureka, like a Dorista, like Eureka. the dungeon yeah. stuff. So it's like, it really did kind of change my mind about content I thought was going to be like, meh, 
kind of cool, but like it quickly just became something that like, if I'm overwhelmed with people, I can just go in solo and putz around in there for 200 floors or a hundred floors worth of it on high. Um, and I think it really kind of just opened up a door for a brand new type of player in Final Fantasy 14. Like Angelus always talks about the solo content in general. So like, I think it really kind of opened the door for people that like yeah. really love being in a social community based game, but also wanting to have kind of those individualistic challenges. Um, so yeah, the, the deep dungeon, I think really made a, a huge impact is, uh, on me as a player. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also had, I mean, this is such a weird thing to go back. Remember scripts? They added like hunt, like, like gathering and crafting like content in heaven's word. Like that was a, they're like, hey, we'll give you something to do. I mean, I still remember going around and, and like frequently trying to get all of the like mining nodes. And, you know, that one, you know, everybody's like, oh, time to go get Adamant or it, up in Az's Law. And there's like, you know, 30 miners there just waiting for the time <laughs> node to, to spawn so everybody can get scripts and stuff. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're, if you're not gathering or, or crafting, like, that's probably not a big deal. But at the time, like, it was a huge thing. And, and we still see that content now. Like, that's such a staple of, of crafting and gathering jobs. Um, Ironically, that is probably the content which scared me away. So I initially played the 2.0 closed beta. And then when I was looking for games to kind of leave WoW for, and I managed to, like, just level up to her, cap in, around Reborn, and then Heavenswood came out. And I was kind of looking at all... The, the one thing that scared me away in this game is the currency system. It's one of the most convoluted systems... And like looking at scripts and you traded this for that and then you use those to buy the books and then the books will let you kind of learn more of these ones. I remember looking at those scripts and just being like, okay, that's enough out of Fantasy 14. And that kind of kept me away, <laughs> sadly. For And I missed kind of like, you know, the bulk of Heaven's World and I came back end of Stormblood. But that system was so brand new to me and I'd never kind of experienced that kind of multiple currency system. So it was a bit, for a new player, overwhelming, I guess. Yeah, it's, I think it's I still really... feel that way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. really interesting looking at in an MMO that's been around for even just a few years and just be like seeing like a page of all the different types of like currencies. <laughs> Every MMO just has like, I think <laughs> looking back, there was a, a time I remember final fantasy 11 had an update where they added pages where you could see the currents, different currencies. There's like two full pages of all the different types of like things. I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was good that they expanded, right? The Disciple of Hand and Land effort, rewards, those sorts of things. It is something that players get really invested in or that can be a draw. But D, I agree with you. I think for many years I was in that exact same boat. And just like Krev said, it's still overwhelming to this day because I just within the last expansion cycle really made any effort to start doing crafting, gathering stuff um, at um. all. And I think for a really long time, straight up, the reason I just didn't engage with it was because it felt like a wall of stuff that I just did not have through the rest of my game experience. Any, you know, chipping away at understanding yeah. of what that was. So people would be like, white scripts, yellow scripts, do scripts, do, go do, <laughs> turn stuff to this person, you got this stuff. And I was like, I literally, I don't, what in the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I just had no idea. And when I would start to kind of get into it a little bit and I'd try to sort of do something I'd eventually hit some point where I just didn't really know where to go or understand what to do from there and so it wasn't until this last expansion cycle when I started to really make an effort and then I started saying to people hey can you please just come into the game with me right now and can yeah. you just explain what's happening and where do I need to go to get this? And do I need these books? Like, this was the other thing. I was like, mm -hmm. do I need these recipe books? And should I be buying the gear from these vendors? And what's the difference between these? And how do I do this? 
And so it's not as impossible as it seems at first, because as you kind of go through each component, it does start to make sense. But it, it's good to have these kinds of systems. But I agree in that I think maybe over time, the way that they've sort of connected this to the combat player's experience, there's still a bit of a gap. And I think that there, there's still, you know, a stumbling block there, especially with a lot of these systems. So while I'm not, you know, I don't think they should remove all the content mm -hmm. for Disciples of Hand and Land from the game or anything like that. But I do agree that like all the different currency systems and everything else can be really daunting. And when you're trying to figure it out initially, it can keep you from engaging with the content. Yeah. And Kevin sort of kind of set that precedent for it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, since since then too, they've they've added uh, NPCs that just have like the I don't know mega menus, right? Where you can yeah. say, okay, I'm getting this for this, and there's like five different drop downs to like yeah. go into all these different things. Um, but also, you know, at Heaven's Word, I mean, they you have to like a game has to introduce a system first, right? And then they can work on refining it. Like Heaven's Word, let us update uh, Tome Gear. The NPCs were like not even in the same building as the one you get the tomes in. And for some people, they're like, that's a thing you can do. <laughs> and now they're like right next to each other. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of those things where they've definitely kind of improved that and made that a little easier to find. Um, but, you know, talking about dungeons, we used to get two dungeons a patch in Heaven's Word. We would get <laughs> like a new dungeon and then like a hard mode of a, an existing dungeon. I miss that so much. I do miss <laughs> it too. I yeah. miss the, the hard mode, I think, specifically, just because it was so fun to kind of go back to your old favorite dungeons and see a new revamped look. But yeah, yeah. I do I do miss those. Like, I can understand why they took it out. But yeah, it is yeah. certainly something I think that would be missed yeah. in general. What was the rationale out of curiosity? Because like, I like that, because from WoW, we had heroic modes and mythic modes of dungeons. And so like, for us going into it, kind of like Krev said, you revisit an old place, but with like, the bosses do something wilder and they have like a different aspect of it. So I don't know why they stopped it. In the, the, big, the big, the big shift that they'd had with 14 is usually um, what it, what it kind of happened is that they focused, especially with, with Shadowbringers more. So I think, I mean, also in, in Stormblood, but um, they put more of a MSQ tie into the dungeons, but then they also added a different type of battle content. So they just didn't have the resources to do that oh, and, and another dungeon. So like Stormblood had Eureka, uh, Shadowbringers had uh, Boja uh, and Walker had Criterion Dungeons. So they're still putting out battle content. It's just a different type than just mm -hmm. another dungeon per patch. Mm. I love a lot of the dungeons from the Heavensward era. I think just because the variety of landscape settings, the music, the bosses, I think they really did play around with a ton of different things that they drew from, you know, what can we expand on or create a dungeon for in this world? And the hard mode stuff, yeah, I agree. Even though the dungeons themselves for the hard modes, they were more difficult, especially at release, right? In the sense that they were a little bit more complex and I think had a little bit of know-how. Some of them were pretty on par with other dungeons, but a few, you know, some that I can think of as well really did feel as though, yes, this is, you know, a notch up. So you need to know some of the stuff about this dungeon as you go through it. It's tough because I agree. I I miss two dungeons. I just do. I just miss it. I miss it for our roulettes. I miss it for just even having the little adventure. I enjoy dungeons a lot personally, but I do think that even if they at some point genuinely put in some kind of system like the mythic system and the key system and stuff like that, and wow, it would give us more incentive to continue to run some of these dungeons in different ways or, you know, without them having to release mm -hmm. multiple entirely different dungeons sort of things. 
And we're seeing them play around with that a little bit with these new Criterion dungeons that we're getting and that kind of idea. But again, those aren't just a part of our normal flow, gameplay, roulettes. That's that's the thing. I mean, it's cool when they add other content. But if you look at, like, people are like, I have an hour. I'm going to log in and do roulette. Right. Yeah. So it's like you have like the two options in the roulette, like all the, it's like it's it's like give us just one one more just to mix it up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that content also dies off a lot quicker because like, I mean, I would mm-hmm. say what two months after a variant came out, not many people were doing it and it's almost impossible to find a group. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I, for survivability, it would be nice to see something that had a roulette or something that had some sort of like way to engage it. I, I hope once once we get a little further into Endwalker that they do something like that with the Criterion stuff because I mean that was one of the the things with like Eureka and Bojan Southern Front right and the other expansions it's like this really cool open area content that you can do but once the next expansion comes out nobody's gonna do it anymore and so like I get it it makes sense and it and it's it's a bummer if there's stuff in that content that you want. But like during the time when it's it's relevant, like it's really cool content. So mm-hmm. I don't, you know, for that kind of stuff, I don't know what the the you know what the easy solution is. Um, but I think with something like Criterion, yeah, like do something to just I don't know, put it into roulette or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> to touch back on the actual Heavens for Dungeons, though, I pulled it up here because I was I was trying to think through my head. And I was going, I know I really liked a lot of them, but what did we even have in that mix? We had great Google Library, obviously, which was the very first one that came to mind for me. And there was a hard mode of that one. One of the things that I loved about those two in particular was the fact that the first dungeon sets up this horrifically dissonant music. And then Mm. in the hard version, there is a melodic, non-dissonant resolution of the musical theme, which is... Something that only hi, I was a music major and did like <laughs> that's something that I think only I massively nerd about. But I thought that was such a phenomenal touch in those dungeons. But we also had uh, okay, Dusk Vigil, Somal, Airy, The Vault, which is the Great Emotion one, uh, Great Google Library, Ethereal Chemical Research Facility, which had some interesting lore with the Ixel. I think that one's really fun. Yeah, Never Reap, which is fine. It exists. Uh, the fragile <laughs> forgets. I, I can actively <laughs> remember feeling that way when I would get yeah. that in roulette after Heaven's Word popped up. Yeah, I'll get this is a thing. All right, we got this one again. Great. Yeah, I like the little, the little wind, the little balloon, the little balloon thing. Yeah. Well, you know. Oh, the, the little launchers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting little distinctive thing from it. Then we had the fractal continuum. We had. Sorry, as my friends call it, St. Moist Chance Arboretum. Uh, yep. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Forest Series Hard, which is kind of the more forgettable of the two, but does exist. It was that was a cool one though, because it's you know going back into it, and there it was there was it was fair, that one and um, uh, one of the ones in like Azzy's Law were just like really cool because you went in to like. You know, after you had already gone through and seen some stuff and just just that idea of like going back to something after not necessarily like taking different routes or something, but just seeing like narratively how things have changed. I thought that was really cool, especially from just, you know, the world lore kind of aspect of things. Yeah, I totally agree. And that one was interesting because in the original Forest series, your whole journey is going up. Right. And then the hard mode, your whole journey is going down as you go deeper into the earth underneath. So you're right. It gives a kind of sense of continuity in the whole space of that location, which is really interesting. Uh, We got 
uh, the Anti Tower, which is a really, I still think that's such a memorable, a memorable dungeon. Yeah. 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 The frogs quoting Rainbow Connection. <laughs> <laughs> The creepy it's, dolls too. Like oh yeah. 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 I love that dungeon until I get to the final boss and I'm like, okay, tap out. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird and whimsical and magical and strange. And I that one definitely sticks in the mind. Lost City of Amdapur, Sorkai, Holebreaker Isle Hard, Zelfatal, Great Google Hard, Balesur's Wall, which had become big when the lot people had to run yeah. and got very familiar with. And Som All Hard. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, there was a pretty huge, I think a huge kind of range of dungeons and settings from whimsical oh, yeah. to, you know, very locational to different, representing different groups, different, you know, like the Exal and stuff, uh, all the Allegan stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I you go from like, good. like you know, future tech to future tech, which is old tech, but, <laughs> you know, just that, that yep. kind of like tech setting. You got your dragon stuff. You got your weird whimsical upside down towers. Like there was really, I mean, uh, and your training your grounds. Yeah, your yeah. training grounds. I'll you break get through to, the training ground. Yeah. 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 That was cool because that dealt with uh, the, 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 the pirate guy. Oh, I was Miss all Beard. about Miss Beard. Yeah, Thank Beard. you. I was all about that that lore like early on. And I'm like, oh, God, this is embarrassing. I don't remember the name. Um, but yeah, there was just a lot of really cool story things that they did with a lot of those uh, with those dungeons. Um, we also had with Heavensward. <laughs> remember Diadem? Mm. Orig original Diadem? They revamped Diadem later. They shut it down mid-patch cycle. They're like, we need to do something better. And then they put out something else and it just mm, didn't quite... See. As a Stormblood player, I've only heard horror stories about old yeah. die there. <laughs> yeah, it was something like, about gear you could get, and then like you would have random stats on it, and you'd have to like re-roll it to get the perfect. Yeah, that. so like, originally Diadem was like a it was like a weird fate farm where it would drop, um, and and it, it dropped gear in like in some of the earlier dungeons too. It was the it had like the pink icon? It was like ethereal gear where yeah. it was like randomized stats. Uh, but then, like, it would also randomize the glamour on it, which was weird. Yeah, I don't uh, remember a lot about it, but I, I do remember, like, there was a fun, like, just nature about it before it turned into the gathering hub. So, like, I remember those kind of fondly back. Like, I know a lot of people are like, tied in. I hate this. But, like, I no, I yeah. It was fun. I remember getting a piece that was like at the time frame was like best in slot just because mm -hmm. of like the stats and stuff. And I put yeah. it on and it was like the default glamour on. It was like the worst oh, thing yeah. ever. And I'm like, oh no. Well, uh, I think that's what led to a lot of controversy, right? There were two main things I remember as a big takeaway from this. One was that initially they introduced it as some means to make use of airships. I think that's what it was, where you yeah. had to, with your FC, go out as a group on you, your airship yeah. to do... Yep. So you could, to either go, to go enter, you could either enter it from the, one of the docks in uh, the Pillars in Ishgard, or mm -hmm. you could get a group together and you would go on your free company. I'm glad that they experimented with content, because I do think that's important. Um, it was interesting, the idea of incentivizing, going with your FC or, or you know groups like that. But, of course, it created a bit of an issue for some people who can engage with it in that way. And then of course the additional thing, which brought up the big discussion in this expansion, should you be able to get the best gear in the game from something that is not hardcore end game content. And one of the big problems was that the best gear in the game and the best in slot for a period was a, an entirely random possibility drop from diadem. And it was like such a small rare percentage that you could spend months of your life in there and never get Wait, it 
Are you trying to say they added content to an MMO that they wanted you to continuously grind? I mean, yes, but... Why would they do that? Completely uncalled for. (laughs) Okay, look. (laughs) I think the thing, though, was that you had no guarantee for the time energy that you put into it. And if you were somebody who cared about something like having the best weapon, the best gear, the best whatever it is, right? There was no actual way for you to obtain that if RNG just was not in your favor. And so that, I think, did affect a lot of even probably, I would assume, how they structured raid rewards and gear rewards from then Mm -hmm. on out. So, yeah, it had some problems, obviously. Uh, There were things that people still kind of remember fondly about it, but there's a reason they shut it down. Well, so they they shut it down, and then they brought it back. I think it was like 3.5-something. And they basically added, like, a special instance encounter in, like, the crystal in the middle of Diadem. Mm -hmm. Um, I went in once when it it popped up. Um, Teamwork was maybe not the strong suit of everybody there. Uh, and everybody promptly wiped. It was not an easy encounter, no. um, but you would get you could get weapons, which again would be like could be potentially mm. like super great. Um, but it was rough with with the amount of people that you would get in there and trying to communicate, and it was it was it was, it was not good. So they closed it and then they brought <laughs> it back in, in Shadowbringers as just a gather zone. Um, we also had. With, uh, well, just uh, on the topic of the diadem, I think it opened the door for them to explore how Eureka worked. Um, yeah. And I think that was a, a good premise. Like, obviously, that didn't quite work, but I, I th- still think it wasn't a total loss in the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you can definitely see the, the kind of, like, lessons learned as they went from your, uh, from DM to Eureka to, to Boja. Um, we also had uh, tribe quests with Heaven's Word. We had the Vanu Vanu, the Vath. And the Moogle, uh, the Moogle ones, which are still just awful. Um, you, you still need so much more rep than the other two. Uh, and I don't know why. <laughs> I love the Moogles. That was my favorite one. I think that was the first one I finished. It was the last one. I think I finished that in like Shadowbringers. Just because it, it, for whatever reason, it just it requires like, I forget if it's like the max reputation you need or like the, the reputation per quest. Like it wasn't the same as the the battle class based ones. Uh, Moogle was 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 crafting based, so it was definitely a different kind of pace. Um, but yeah, um, but one of the I nice things about these, on Moogles. yeah, one one of the nice <laughs> things about the Heaven's Word one, like the two point oh ones, uh, there is a cumulative quest afterwards. So once you max rank all of it, there's a little bit of extra at the end, which is really cool. Um, and Heaven's I think Word the one thing I liked about that was that the fact that was the first beast tribe that we got that changed the area. Mm-hmm. around them so we got that little dome area they didn't end up doing anything with it but we got that little dome area up by the other aetherite um yeah. and that area i think that was the first time we ever had a beast tribe that affected a zone mm-hmm. if i remember correctly because i don't I think, think any of the heavens right. ones did, did they or no. any of the uh a realm reborn no i don't think they i don't think they you unlocked or opened up new vendors and things like that yeah. where you'd have some you know with the ixali tribe quests mm-hmm. Maybe, I think, but it maybe, didn't like, maybe the there was something with the balloon there or something. Yeah, but may- it, maybe like it just showed up one day. I don't think it was yeah. like a staged like upgrade thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we also so, yeah, had I, Idleshire was was a thing too that they yes, did right. That but was we, upgradable. But we also had Mordona in 2.0, so that was just another yeah. one of those. Um, yeah. I think course, the tribes from. I just wanted to say quickly. I think yeah. the tribes from Heavensward are a fun little bunch. I like the variety: bird people, bug people, and magic bears. I well, well, and and, and don't forget though. Tech, technically, the Moogle ones are Moogle and dragon. 
Yes. And the dragon okay. lore in the Moogle quests are great. Which is why the only reason. The only I was gonna I was like world. I like we're talking all about the Moogles. I'm like, why haven't you talked about the dragons? Oh, I avoided I avoided those Moogle quests for so long because I knew how long they were. Yeah. And then as people talked more about the dragon lore that was affiliated with them, I was like, oh fine, okay, fine. So I went in and I've been I've been slowly chipping away at them. And I'm a monster. I'm such a monster. I was really excited because I was going, oh, I'm really glad they're going to fix up some of the ruins up here. But then I immediately got really angry when they Moogleified the whole thing because I was like, I don't want this nonsense. What are you doing? It's right in front of this giant, beautiful dragon statue. Get out of here with this. Get your dumb pom-poms. Put them somewhere. <laughs> And I realized that that's not a constructive opinion to have and that the Moogles also live up there and it is their home and that some people think it's cute. But I wanted to see that plaza restored to its former glory, not to this. So, so that's You me. have Mooglified is the best <laughs> verb I've yeah. heard. <laughs> you have Mooglified it, yeah. which is great sometimes. But in the case of my high fantasy ancient gothic dragon room. <laughs> I was not as pleased, but I did think the quests were really cute. And yes, it I they were still kind of troubleshooting how they would do the length, duration, and experience and stuff from those tribe quests. But I thought they were an interesting little group. Are they my favorite of the tribes? Probably not, especially with some of the ones that we've gotten with the story in Endwalker, which has been phenomenal. Some of those tribe quests been ridiculously mm. good. So I, I think they were solid, but are they my absolute favorite, you know, tribe group, tribe quest of the whole bunch in all the expansions? Probably not, but still, still some good yeah. stuff in there for sure. Uh, and of course, last but certainly not least for Heaven's Word, uh, flight. You could fly in Heaven's Word. That was a thing. Flying. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was cool. It I think was, we was... take advantage of that now. Oh, like, yeah. But for people that like were through A Realm Reborn and like that was brand new, like I feel like that would have been like oh my god this is the hot new thing it was and it was such an interesting time too because when they added this like wow i was like yeah so we're not gonna do flying mounts anymore and final fantasy's like we're gonna add flying mounts and you're like yeah. oh okay <laughs> but it was uh, so much less painful in 14 than it was i mean even with the ether currents and stuff i remember when i was first trying to unlock flight and wow i was good grief oh it sucks so it's like bad you have to do all the quests in this hub and all the quests in this hub and all the quests in this hub and then get the rep to max in these these and these and i was like you know what i'll walk it's fine I'll... yeah yeah it's it was actually agony so the fact that they made it i think relatively accessible it was good and one of the things that i loved that flight did in heavensward that i hope they i would like to see them lean into again in the future is that they did make some of the maps that are more vertical which mm -hmm. we were just talking about has pros and cons but i I personally love having some level of depth because mm. our whole world doesn't just go like this. It's not all just horizontal. <laughs> Areas that have vertical, you know, like a sense scale scope to them, especially in a fantasy and especially in an expansion where the whole theme is going heaven sword. You are going to the heavens. It oh, I get so it now. That's why they yeah, named it. it. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you say that, but I remember having to run all over like, the Sea of Clouds and it did my head in because I was that just dumb. Yeah. It was like, how do I get up this bridge? I have to go all the way around and back yeah. up that same zone. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's like no, Sea of Clouds. Limitless Blue, you can wait. Sea <laughs> yeah. of Clouds and Azizla, well. it's like, how did we get around this without flight? Like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. They're just like, Azizla, well. they're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just put a teleporter here, whatever. Like, I guess that's. <laughs> so I guess that's, that leads us to say. That's Heaven's Word. That's Heavensward. Is Heavensward any of our favorite expansions in the game? 
it it was okay. oh it was it your was. favorite it was okay. dethroned recently it it has been dethroned yes okay. <laughs> but it is still i'd say probably in the top three for me yeah, it is it is up there for me oh okay probably hey. like first maybe second Okay, okay. And do you? See, for me, the nostalgia, I don't have any nostalgia with Heavensward. Like the raids, the trials, because I came in in Stormblood. So my sure. sole experience with Heavensward is the MSQ. And even the MSQ in Heavensward, people speak incredibly high of it. Like it, there's a meme, there's a whole, you know, community for it. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of the dragon story. So it was a story that was there and I definitely got into it. But having come from WoW, I was like observing this ancient kind of like history and kind of learning of what happened here and kind of like, you know, on the sidelines, like working alongside them. As much as I love that, that was beautiful. And I definitely, there were parts where I sobbed my eyes out in Heaven's Ward. Um, oh, I remember. For, I was yeah. there clipping. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, it was true, actually. I was going through Miss Q and Craig was just like watching me on their stream being like, look at yes. them. <laughs> I loved it. I'm watching your experiences for the first time. It was, it's, it's so wholesome. And I still seek out people who are going through Heaven's Word yeah. right now. Because there's, it was There's always, there's that like little demon inside of all of us. Oh, they're playing through Heaven's Word. Oh, they're on the vault. Oh, oh no. I'm just going to go <laughs> ahead the, and watch. You see the viewing cutscene? Yeah, yeah. You're like, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. It's not my like top favorite either. It was very interesting. We talked last week about the fact that in the Q&A that Yoshida-san did at PAX East this year, he said that although he loves all the expansions, he said that really he can't pick a favorite per se. Mm -hmm. The one that he feels most fondly about is Heavensward himself. Yeah. And so that was a big one for him and his perspective as you know somebody who worked on it was obviously different. And I think there definitely are people out there who Heavensward to this day is still their favorite, whether it's the aesthetic of it, whether it's, you know, the dragons, whether it's the, yeah. <laughs> whatever it is about nostalgia. it, the content, the nostalgia. It, 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 there's so much about it too. I mean, I think for me, right, it's, it's being that 1.0 player and like going through Corthus, you're like, Oh hey, look at that town. We can go in there when they redo the game. No, you're still just gonna have to look at it from a cliff. You're like, okay, so the I still get goosebumps watching that the initial uh, teaser for mm. for Heavensward. Like I remember sitting in that ballroom in Vegas watching it. And you're like, okay, and then fade in. Oh, there's the gates of judgment. Ooh, oh, there's a whole shitload of dragoons. Oh my god! Like it was just it was it was so good. Um, oh, yeah. I guess we should touch on in general, the characters added in Heavensward as well, because we did get some some big ones and maybe for future expansions we can think about this too. But, um, I mean, a lot of the characters in there, but particularly Astinian, who would become oh, a yeah. big part of our future, well, there were some great characters. We had Astinian and Amaric. in 1.0 though. And Astinian so was the Dragoon quest guy. Like he Yeah, but some of us didn't play 1.0, Grandpa, yeah. so... He was in, I mean, well then he would have been in 2.0 when they relaunched He was that. also masked, though. We didn't really yeah, know yeah, him, so him. like it was really hard to like connect with him as a he character. He was just the, the dirty dragoon that was around a lot of it. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's, that's, that's fair. But we met Amaric, who is still today probably one of my favorite uh, male characters in the game, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. there were a lot of really good characters in Heavensward. So it is a great expansion. Um, I think it was a great jumping off point. But yeah, none of our favorites. Is it your number one favorite? It might be my number one. Okay, really? well, that is not a you it. It really is. I, I'm, like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm reevaluating my list today. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, then you need to say this confidently because I did not get the impression you're like, it's like maybe. Say it with your whole chest, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be like, this is you my favorite. You have to be aggressive about your love for it. <laughs> Show us. Let us see. <laughs> Fusion. 
Would you say Heavensward <laughs> is your favorite expansion of Final Fantasy XIV? It might be tied no. with Shadowbringers. Okay. What would you say is your tagline for why this is your favorite expansion? Dragoons! Yeah, okay. That's a very strong dragoons! answer. I was a dragoon when I first started, so and Heavensward was my first expansion. Same reason why I love it, too. Okay, all right. There you go. Okay. Doesn't it feel good to commit to that? Yeah. <laughs> How's it it's feel? You feel good about that? It feels People weird. Bad. I don't know. Heavens where didn't have Amarat. Yes. Oh, okay. We'll All right. So now oh, you you understand now See, why it's not my number one anymore. That's that's why it's probably <laughs> yeah. tied. Yeah. But we'll get we'll it's a very it. close it's a very close <laughs> score for me. Okay, great. Well, let's get to the worst expansion in Final Fantasy XIV, Stormblood. Oh, uh, clear, clearly, uh, and worse by, by far, Stormblood. Terrible, terrible game. Oh, this garbage junk Crash expansion. It's, it's always interesting to me, based on you know the way that I... I my reception of, of Endwalker and, and things that they did there, when I liked a lot of the elements of the Stormblood MSQ. We had this new villain, Xenos, who defeated us. Multiple times. Mm -hmm. And then he fused with a dragon, became stronger than ever, and somehow we beat him. <laughs> uh, and then he died, and then they, they brought him back, because why not? Um, <laughs> but the initial Stormblood story, you know, up, up until that point, um, I thought it was cool. I think, I, I, I still believe that the reason we had the... Uh, the Alamigo, Doma, kind of, like, double story split is because Yoshida wanted to do something that was his own. Um, he, you know, took on 1.0. He did 2.0. He's like, okay, well, obviously, I think there was an obligation to then do Ishgard because Ishgard already existed, right? You could see it. And then there was still that obligation of, okay, we've talked so much about Alamigo. He's like, but also, like, can we do something else? Let's go to Doma. <laughs> Um, and so I, I, I like that for him. I don't know. I, I think the split, you know, the, it wasn't maybe the greatest idea. Um, but I could certainly understand why maybe they wanted to, to at least attempt it. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did, what did you think about MSQ stuff? So I'll jump in. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Stormblood is one of those ones where I would say it had such a powerful political story and I think that that had to resonate with a bunch of different people differently. Mm. Um, I am not super, uh, like, I'm not a person that usually goes after, like, super political themes in games. Like, I like more existential crisis kind of stuff. But um, it's it was, it was an interesting take and one that absolutely had to happen just given what we had known about Alamigo and, you know, relieving it from the Garlean Empire and all that, that, that stuff. But I would say I... Of all the stuff, I enjoyed the side stuff more than I enjoyed the main story. And I know mm -hmm. I may not be a majority in that. And I know it was still a very powerful story, but it didn't latch on the same way that Heaven's Ward did for me um, and just kind of made me feel like I was not getting as robust of a story as I felt like I had gotten in Heaven's Ward. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I agree with everything you just said. Because the it's so tough because I think especially here following in the months following Endwalker in the year following Endwalker. It's something where I think I've come to look much more fondly at Stormblood than I perhaps had even in Shadowbringers, right? Because 
there is so much, and we'll get to this, but like you said, the stuff around the main mm -hmm. story in Stormblood no. is actually some of the best, probably, mm -hmm. content that we've had in the game. And a lot of the other supporting stuff within Stormblood and within the MSQ is also fantastic. Like, I love a lot of the components of it. It was just such a massive story that I think everybody always says it feels as though it kind of tried to tackle two narratives that could have used an expansion worth of content themselves. Mm -hmm. And so those two coming together, there were parts where it really shone, like the step is still one of oh, my yeah. favorite story segments and zones in the game. I think that was just a fantastic portion yeah. of quest. And there are other things around the main story quest. At this point, for all of you who have listened to me yell about Xenos for ages, <laughs> at this point, I enjoyed Xenos as a villain. Did yeah. I get a little tired of him like post Stormblood? Yes, but I think that at this point in the narrative, I was still on board for the journey they were setting up. And I still remember that encounter where you come back to Ralgar's Reach mm -hmm. and he and his forces have invaded there. And that like multi-part fight and the battle and your defeat. And, and the he, first like, time it's damn near kills Yastola. Like, yeah. Yes, like, all of that was really good, and I yeah. really enjoyed it. And I feel like those moments in the expansion shown, but the entire thing as one large cohesive narrative where it, you know, the peak that it tried to reach, and particularly in All Amigo and a lot of those zones and regions surrounding, it felt like we got so much momentum with the first half with Doma and Higashi, and then it's like, <laughs> and then there's kind of like the ending. And so I think that some of that just didn't make it come together as one cohesive narrative mm -hmm. as powerfully as other expansions. Yeah, I mean, the, the Xeno okay. thing for me, like, it's especially right, having come from 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, the idea that we we finally had a villain that like we didn't just like, oh, yeah, we beat you. Like, that was really cool to me. Like, I, I appreciated that they did that. Everything else was like, I I think they, they tried to do a little too much. Some of it landed, some of it didn't. You had like... Uh, Yotsuyu and Fordola were like, okay, here's like the two parallels of like, you know, you know, things happen influenced by the empire, but the one's over here, one's over here. And it just, eh, all right. And then you had what, what I, I think is probably the least exciting area designs of any expansion because you have the peaks and you have the, oh fringes. God, the fringes. The I, I, I can't tell you what the difference is between Either of those, they still blur together for me. The lots yeah. is the most disappointing, like final zone of yeah. any expansion. Mm -hmm. Like easy. I'd agree there, yeah. Um, not to say that like a lot of a lot of Stormblood's pros are the side content. The MSQ mm -hmm. was okay, but a lot of it was kind of just like it, it felt like a stepping stone of like we need to just kind of get this out of the way, right? And again, mm -hmm. part of that might be some of that obligation that that the dev team felt where they like we need to address Alamigo. And then we get Alamigo. <laughs> it's a dungeon. It's like actual open world Alamigo is like the most hollow like thing you've ever seen. It was it was not good. Um, but some of the other stuff. Let's let's get in, into some uh, jobs. We had Samurai and Red Mage. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, two powerful jobs. Yeah. yeah, Red Mage was interesting because it's something that people had wanted, but it's like, how does that work in a game where you don't have a support role? But, mm -hmm. like, Red Mage can heal, but also damage, and what does this do? Uh, I think it was a really big just job release. Like, I know Samurai, it was just kind of another melee. It's still a really popular melee. But, yeah, yeah Red Mage, I feel like, changed the, the comp, too. Because, I mean, even looking at 
you know, stuff going forward. And I know we'll touch into the raids and things like that. But Red Mages became almost vital because of their skills and their abilities. That it was. Yeah. I mean, Red Mage just for, for progression alone mm-hmm. was so important. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I also called it the Eureka Mage. Because Red Mage was like oh, so yeah. good yeah. in Eureka with just spam and arrays, <laughs> and it was yeah. it was really good. Um, Samurai did a lot of really cool stuff. I think it it was it spoiled people that wanted to do melee just with how it worked, and you know yeah. in the era of like you know uh, dragoon like stance timers, it's like you got thirty seconds to like do this yeah. thing or you lose your thing. And meanwhile, Samurai's <laughs> like, yeah, I got all my stuff ready to go. It just sits here forever. I don't need to worry about it expiring. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want that. Yeah, um, I really hate saying that samurai would eventually lead to the domino effects that would lower the skill ceiling. Skill ceiling for jobs? Yeah, I was gonna say it did other jobs, yeah. but it yeah. did. It did, and that's not necessarily to say that is a good or bad thing across the board. We've had entire podcasts talking about the evolution of job balance that you know go far more into that that than we can now, but. It was definitely a pretty pivotal time. I think those classes being introduced and some of the changes that they started to do did have a lot of effects later on. But these were two great additions, and they felt very thematic and appropriate to the expansion as well, these two. Yeah. Didn't um, Red Mage just tease it a little bit, wasn't it? Didn't that, doesn't um, Alice, Alice have like a Transformer Sailor Moon moment in Heaven's yeah. Like right yep. before, we're like, yeah, is this the Red Mage weapon? Like, is this what this is? Mm-hmm. Like, getting access to that later. During my travels, like, like, I found a dude and he was a Red Mage. He's like, I'll show I mean, you some Red Mage stuff. And <laughs> now she's a Red Mage. Um, yeah. One of the other kind of like system things that we had with Stormblood 2 were uh, the, uh, what, oh, what were the duty actions? Was that the the actual oh, the, yeah right it was i still remember uh we were lucky enough to go to the the media tour for for stormblood and not and, uh i hit the wrong button again gosh darn it i need to move that deck um we're still here it's fine everything's fine um but i remember sitting there at at the media tour and he's you know yoshida's giving his presentation and they're like we want to try and you know be mindful of like ability bloat you know so we're going to condense some stuff here and there but then also we're going to add this brand new button for certain duties and it's like why you're, you're like talking about trying to make things simpler then you're like whole other ass ui element with like one yeah. or two buttons and it's like okay like i i never enjoyed any of the duty actions i actually didn't mind them the omega what catastrophe that one i didn't mind the lakshimi one i didn't love and then i'm trying to think of what the other one was i know there was another one yeah lakshmi of- made use of that Vril? The bubble, yeah, yeah, and then catastrophe for the lift. There was another one, wasn't there? Oh, that uh, chatter, chatter rock, or whatever the name of the, the uh, painting boss, the Omega oh, boss. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. they were, they were okay, but I didn't love any of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the counter voice in that, and okay. that I think that the actual use of them can be clunky in, at yeah. first, especially because. UI stuff with keybinds and things like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It does not yeah. feel at all natural. And so yeah. rebinding them, getting it to a point where it's something where, you know, you can actually access it and use it quickly rather than having to try to click it and all this kind of stuff, I think helped a lot. But I will say that I think it opened a nice door to be able to do something or introduce a gimmick into a fight that's thematic, sure. that's yeah. appropriate, that's interesting, and that adds some other dynamic to an encounter. Like the up-down thing in yeah. that fight with the uh, meatball, tentacle meatball. I... <laughs> tentacle meatball. Tentacle meatball. I, I think that is... I love that fight. 
yeah. like to create dimension in a fight that normally, you know, we can't be like, well, all classes now get a go up in the air button yeah. ever because we want to do sure. that in one fight, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that it opens the door for them to do more. I think that as always, introducing something like that can be clunky. So, and 14 is not particularly always known for the way that it's UI and everything are so great and so smooth and, mm -hmm. you know, so, but I will say I liked it personally. I liked yeah. that. Overall. I will say it was comfortable on controller because it's literally just um, right to and then the stick buttons. So yeah. that was like super easy for us. And I didn't feel like I had to do anything major excess. So like if you're playing on controller, I found it to be relatively fluid. Um, but obviously I can't speak to keyboard and mouse, but I, I enjoyed it from a controller perspective. It, it all comes down to keybinds. Like, it, you know, initially yeah. you're like, it's just a button. You're like, I guess I'll just have to click it <laughs> like a, yeah. like some crazy well, person. It, we didn't get any warning about it either. It was just kind of thrown in and we had to figure out what it did in the middle of the fight while we're learning the fight yeah. too so yeah and i mean and, and, and they've gone on to to use those same like like uh you know bindings and stuff for for like eureka with bonus actions and and uh boja and stuff like that too so but uh, initially you're just like what what's going how do you okay this is the thing um swimming they added swimming which was uh interesting in how it worked um yeah. no combat underwater um you can you can gather underwater <laughs> I mean, that was there's some bubbles you can swim into yeah it was an experience like i remember when it first came out like i remember i would just go like once i got the ruby sea unlocked i would just go swim like and mm. it would help because i know some people have like a fear of open water and that was not really a jam for them but like for me it was like serene i could listen to the music of the ruby sea at night and just go swimming through the water and i could like bring my vibe back to like normal so I think it was it was definitely more of like a niche thing instead of I think kind of a game wide requirement. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say it was still an an interesting add on for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I still remember uh, a couple of days after uh, Stormblood came out, people are like, "Yeah, we found this Easter Island like head just like down at the bottom of the Ruby Sea, just like chilling here." I'm like, I would love yeah. more Easter eggs like that, but there really yeah. hasn't been anything like that. Yeah. Um, I would like for them to introduce some kind of systems to expand on things to do underwater. We have spearfishing, we have swimming, but as it is, I mean, it was good in that it gave us access to another dimension and depth and environment yeah. design. Mm -hmm. And you don't have, you know, I, it always drives me nuts in games when you either can't jump, not that you have to be able to jump on everything, but like I grew up playing a lot of old school games where you just straight yeah. up have jump, which is fine, and you can still enjoy a lot of things. But as we got more into this era of immersive, explorable world, not being able to jump and running into invisible walls anytime you encounter any sort of water are the two big things mm -hmm. that I think make an open world really it just breaks that immersion sense. So yeah. I'm glad that they added that depth, but I don't know if it's really dynamically altered the game experience in any no. way you know um one of the other things and I, I i actually just got reminded of this uh from from gahoo and chat uh the role-playing thing um not oh, like yeah. not like Playing tagging for role play and like going to venues and like doing whatever you want and oh. tells that's that's a completely yeah. different type of rp but um playing is like alphano in the burn um mm -hmm. was like oh i i, I cried so, i teared up so much in that um, yeah, I think post. We just talked about that. Blood, where we got our first one of those, right? No, it was at the and end. No, of it was the Nadam. The Nadam was. Uh, it was Nadam. No, you play as yourself in the Nadam, don't you? I thought there was you a play point as Yustola. You, you played as Yustola playing, and then, yeah. oh, and then the patch, right. the patch after yeah. that, you play as Alphino when the ship you're crashes right. in the burn. Yeah, when, when mm -hmm. Gaius came back. Yeah, you're so right. I would say the Nadam, I guess, the would be hunter. the first instance of that. 
Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was that was exciting. Um, and it was new. Um, and I love the fact that it was a simplistic hot bar. Like I didn't want to, especially for classes yeah. that people didn't play. Like that was some people's first experience playing because she was still a healer at that point. Um, that was some people's first experience ever touching a healing class. So it was it was nice that it was cut down and accessible and not too overwhelming. And I feel like it was a little bit forgiving, especially with the first couple of times we saw that. And then obviously, as we got more comfortable taking care of different controllers, uh, different characters and their controls, the fights got a little bit more kind of advanced. But I would say, yeah, mm -hmm. it was a nice introduction to it, at least. Yeah. Um, all right, going into raids, uh, the, the Alliance raid made return to Evilise. Obviously, this was this was huge. So like, yeah. As soon as they name drop Evilise, everyone's like, oh, oh, because yeah. we knew like previously, like they've talked, they've name dropped like Dalmasca, and you're like, okay, okay, and then like return to Evilise. <laughs> oh, okay, we were going like hard into Evilise. Um, these were fun raids. I liked the raids. They were really um, good. Mm -hmm. Obviously. As a Final Fantasy Tactics fan, I oh. was excited, very excited. Yeah. I had played a little bit of Twelve, but I I am a huge like Tactics fan, so I was really excited to see that we were going there. Yeah, the way that they did yeah. the story, I thought was really clever because obviously, like, you can't just like take elements from another game, just drop it in and be like, here it is. Yeah. You have to weave things together. Yeah. Uh, and the way they did that with like the 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 theater ship, which is like very much mm -hmm. like FF Nine, but. Um, just that idea of like a theater troupe and like discovering the history of, of evil East and stuff. I thought that was really cool. Um, mm -hmm. I love Ramza and Alma and stuff like that. Yes. Too. And there, mm -hmm. it was a different version of them, but it was still kind of them. So yeah, it there was, was yeah, I, I cool. also, oh, and I can't remember the details. I feel like there was, there was some like really stupid goofy quest that you could do like post one of the raids too with like, they needed something. Go I don't know. This is gone. I have no idea. I can't remember, but I remember at the time that it was really funny. Um, Ivelisse, I think, had a high level of polish and presentation. The music yeah. was great. The fights were great. The difficulty, I thought, was well, and the, and the music and for it was just all reused music. Oh, they didn't. Yeah. Soken yeah. didn't even touch the original music. They just said, "All right, here you go. Here's mm -hmm. the Ivelisse music," which is, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I prefer yeah, I newer stuff, but yeah. it, I but get it, it why they did it. Touched a nostalgia I for love a lot of music. us. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think I think at a certain point, like you have to like good has to recognize good. Like those mm -hmm. songs didn't really need to be touched. Um, yeah. And I think that also had a key factor in it as well. Plus, it gave Sokin a little bit of a break. And Lord knows that man needs it. Yeah. Seriously. And I think it makes it distinctive. Right. Mm -hmm. Because just like we talked about the Alexander, the music, the style, all of that kind of stuff sets a specific tone. And I think that there is something so charming about the original orchestration for, I see, I was the opposite crime. I was mostly 12 and interested in tactics. And so for me, it appealed to that side of it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought that it sold the whole thing as its own experience. And are these some of the absolute highest octane, most exciting Alliance raids we've ever had? No, but it also is because I really love the Endwalker ones and there's a lot behind them that are really interesting. But these are probably right up there for me because the whole presentation and the storyline and everything with it, I thought was just really solidly done just all around. Yeah, I think this might be my, my favorite 24 man. Um, it's just it, it's it's got that right. It's that Final Fantasy nod. Right. But it's also woven into the world of 14 instead of just like copy paste. Yeah. 
Um, I thought they did a lot of really cool stuff. <laughs> I still remember after the first uh, the first one came out. There's the the mechanic that was that was new at the time, where it's like the finger floating around your spinning around your head, and you had to like move. Oh yeah. And okay, I just right, remember yeah. everybody the, the 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 raiding community was like, oh my god, if they put this in Savage, we are absolutely fucked. Like this is gonna be terrible. Yeah. Uh, they never did, but um, it was just it was really funny seeing like the reactions to that. Um, for Eight Man, we had the Omega raids, which were inter- very like fan servicey, right? And I think a lot of people. We're like, okay, like this is cool. Like, oh, like it's X Death, holy crap, or it's Kafka. Uh, but then some people are like, all right, like fan service, right? It's like that that line of like, it's cool, it's Final Fantasy, but also like, yeah. Um, I thought they were cool. I thought they were interesting. Um, it was cool how they kind of, you know, they brought uh, Nero back, um, and you got to, you know, Nero and Sid, um, and the you know the Boiler Master, uh, just chilling there. Observing Omega, we got a little bit of Midgard Stormer comeback, uh, which was mm-hmm. which is really nice. We haven't seen Midgard Stormer since. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought they I would were, say those fights in general were really unique. Like I remember Catastrophe, mm-hmm. and like Catastrophe was fun. Like even after like wiping to it like a thousand times, I still had a lot of fun with that one, which actually really surprised me. And then I think Doom Train, I think, was a, a fan favorite for a lot of reasons, just for you know this nostalgia and kind of the new take on it. That was probably, I think, mm-hmm. of that tier is probably one of my more favorites. Uh, I think Male Female was probably my actual favorite, though, if we're talking normal raids. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, the MF fight is so cool. Stunning. It's so oh my good. god. Yeah. I mean, yeah these these were definitely they played on the nostalgia element. Which at first I was going, oh, I don't know if it's going to be gimmicky or not. But I think that by the end of Omega, I was really happy. I was The yeah. end of the story is fantastic. The original designs of the characters with an MF, fantastic. And one of my favorite ever raids is in this one, which is Halicarnassus, which I still think to this day mm-hmm. is one of the most fun yeah. fights in this yeah. game. It was difficult, but it yeah. was difficult in a way that was engaging and puzzly with all these little micro phases and all these little things you had to puzzle out and execute. And I really enjoyed that fight much more than I thought I ever would going into the raid tier. And I think, Krav, like you said, everything was really distinctive. The fights themselves had their own unique feel, flair, flavor, gimmicks, things like that. And by the end, I was really sold. And I think MF was a phenomenal fight and introducing things like the original hello worlds and all those other mechanics those were some huge challenges for groups but in a way that was thematic and really interesting and enjoyable so yeah i agree i don't know d did you raid during you came in around stormblood time right but did you raid during stormblood so i came in right at the end so wreath of snakes around like literally i want to say maybe like a couple months before shadowbringers dropped is when i kind of like had dropped into stormblood so like this we're talking about all the fan favorites and fan services is like new to me because 14 was my very first kind of introduction into the final fantasy Mm. world so like i've gone from 14 now after having gone through the story i'm like i've done 10 7 started a bit of a bit of 11 um looking at four because obviously endwalker is around in four a lot a lot now um so i didn't really experience like all of these names that were dropping like kefka you know x death the train all of that stuff for me as a new person coming in i was kind of just like oh this is kind of cool but also now retrospectively kind of like pushes you because i can imagine now like the biggest thing i had like going through that was the fomo because seeing everyone get hyped and excited about that sort of stuff was kind of incredibly cool like you don't see that in a lot of other games where they kind of like bring in you know bosses or big names and kind of throw them into other games to be like hey do you remember this person 
Um, but like now, I kind of have that drive to, to want to do that kind of stuff because I want to see where this train came from that everyone seems to be so excited about. You know, 12 and Tactics, seeing the Evil East, seeing, you know, all those characters inside there. It was, a, it was a nice motivation for me, but it was definitely one of those raids where I was completely green. I was just learning everything and seeing everything for the first time for me. Yeah, I think uh, the Omega Raids, too, is the first time they, they did a... I mean, did they was, was Savage that different? Like in terms of like extra bosses, because like you went from X Death to like Neo X Death in mm -hmm. that that first mm -hmm. tier of Omega. I don't think they did that in. They did. Kefka. They had God Kafka. Well, no, Kefka. in Alexander, no, in, in Alexander, in Alexander, they oh, did. Twelve. Did Remember, they? he went from the small one to the big one or whatever. I don't know if it was the same sort of deal, but it was like big, the big, like it was like a Sephiroth transition where he was like on the platform and then he turned into like supersized. Okay. I, it was definitely more like definitely not to the same extent. Yeah. I definitely think this was our first like really big. I, I still remember up. that that like Neo X Death like reveal like when that the first team got through and I was just like holy yeah. like that was so cool. Um, so yeah. I um, think the only thing I was disappointed about with the Omega raids is because we went five six and then ha you're not getting seven. Like I think everybody was like kind of on that fence. Like I know a lot of people. Like I'm a huge seven fan, so like I was like seven's coming, seven's coming. I was like so excited, and then they're like, Haha, and I was like, oh, I hate this game. Uninstall immediately. <laughs> You're like, is but the next I one going to be Sephiroth? And they're like, Larboard. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, uh, to be fair, like now, like I was so disappointed when it first was announced, and then, but like after playing through like regular like Omega, and then playing through uh, male female, like. I don't think they could have done a seven fight the way that they did male and female. And I, oh my God, that, that fight was a bisexual dream. Let me yes, tell you. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's always been interesting to me how much Yoshida has shied away from seven. I know why, and he's talked about it. Yeah. I mean, of course we've had some collaborations and things. It's not as though seven isn't at all present, in There's 14? a lot of references. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you really would think that they would pull out some of those major iconic bosses. You would think at some point we'd get the Sephiroth <laughs> yeah. something. I think yeah. I remember being in your stream, uh, Rook, when you were saying, you know, when Final Fantasy XIV gets a bit of a lull, they're going to pull open that vault of Final Fantasy VII and be like, what else yeah. can we throw out with it? Like, give I mean, that, that's going to be an instant success, I feel like. Yeah. There's so much. Like, think <laughs> about an entire raid tier. I know we're getting off topic, but think about an yeah. entire raid tier of just Sephiroth versions. Like, that yeah. could easily <laughs> be its own raid tier here completely to be a whole thing i mean and i'm just gonna sit there like drooling the whole time this is amazing <laughs> they are just sitting on it as something that they could pull out of their pocket at any time to be like and this will make all the seven people lose <laughs> their <laughs> minds i mean it's there right but i need the credit card meme we're just like banging the credit Smashing. card yeah <laughs> take my money yes yes yeah, it was a great opportunity with Omega, I think, to introduce people to a lot of different bosses, settings that yeah. they didn't know or maybe hadn't played themselves or things like that. But I think it's totally valid to crap to have that moment of, are you kidding me? Every other one gets something, but what is yeah. happening right now with me? I don't get it. was just the sequential thing, I think, that bothered me because it was like five, six, seven. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. um, we also had for the Duty series, we had the Four Lords, uh, which were really cool. It was interesting coming from 11 into this because the four lords are you know Bayako, Siryu, Genbu, Suzaku um, th that was that was endgame farming in 11 for a long time that was like that was it for endgame um, and so to come into to this and it's like oh I, I know these I've heard of these I fought these before I remember you know trying to get Bayako's pants for like years because they were like best in slot um, but then they also have you know they they threw in like Ryzen Temple which has nods to uh, 11 as well they 
you know, took some music from Eleven for that, which is really cool. Um, and the fights, I thought the fights were, were fun. Um, you know, you have, I think, Siryu is the only fight where you swim. I don't think mm-hmm. they've had swimming in any mm-hmm. other fight since then. Um, we have the uh, weird skydiving bullet hell of Biako. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, EDR <laughs> Suzaku. Yeah, had to look about Tenzin. EDR uh, sword yeah. for God knows how long. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought they did a lot of really cool, unique stuff with those fights. Um, I will say I they them. certainly weren't my favorite. Like okay. uh, they didn't they didn't hit me the same way that I think Heaven's Word did between the Warring uh, not, yeah the Warring Triad and just like Thornton. I think Nidhogg and like Thornton were like really high expectations, right. and then it's it's really hard to top those two fights if those were your favorites. But I think they were cool fights. I love that they played around with originality and made them something very different. But yeah, I would say like they were just like, okay, like I didn't I didn't love farming them for like the dogs afterwards, but they were they were unique. And I think that they opened the door for a lot more unique mechanics going forward, but certainly were not my favorite. Mm, Yeah, I it's they don't have the same impact for sure. I think the epic scale of the warring triad and everything that goes on with that feels so much more, oh my gosh, this is a huge thing, you know? With this with this collection of side primals that we got, it definitely felt a little bit more like a fun romp in, mm-hmm. in a way, you know? And, and yet, they probably are up there, right up there behind Warring Triad for me in my favorite collections. And I think especially too over time, I love this little cast of characters. I yeah. love the little temple underneath the volcano. I love leaning into that, you know, mythology that they drew from to have these animals that have gained sentience and power because of their lifespans and, you know, everything else. There's so much that they drew from for that, which I think is so great. And to have that little cast is really phenomenal. And then the way that they realized those fights, again, they feel really distinctive. Their music mm-hmm. was great. I think they all had some kind of cool unique element to their fights the voice acting was also so good in those ones yeah suzaku especially just Mm -hmm. the way that you know she would talk about tenzin and just like it was it was so good it was so good it It was beautiful but again i I was done by the end of it i'm like suzaku just keep it in just yeah and that's it. I feel like that's what we were talking about with the uh, yeah. replicating of the fights and things. Or not replicating, but um, redoing the fights over and over for, like, farming or whatever. It just got like, okay, I get it. You yeah. missed Tenzin. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. So, yeah, like, while it was stunning up front and I still think it was beautifully acted, it was one of those things that kind of got grinding after a while. Sure. Yeah, I think all... Pretty much all fights will have some component about them, be it audio, audio or mechanics or something that or through repetition scene. just becomes yeah. infuriating. Here we go thing, again. Right? Here's this thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I really love the delivery of those. I think the big yeah. thing that made this group fall short is the fact that we didn't have the fourth. We okay, we had the dungeon fight. So we yeah. did get that. But I, I really, I know this would have broken all of their, the way that they paced and had the collections of these kinds of content, but the weird thing that made this fall really short for me was the fact that the whole time, Chekhov's gun on the wall, the narrative playwriting device, the thing that's mentioned, that because it's mentioned, inherently gives you an expectation of payoff. Mm-hmm. Hear you! The, the whole thing, they're yeah. like... 
oh yeah, we're all having our Aramitami, uh, sorry, excuse me, our Aramitama moment. And then in the background, they're like, oh, but also we, in, you know, enshrined and and kept here this super evil, terrible person, entity called Kiryu. And if we all lose it, then they're going to break free. So we can't let that happen. And then you get to the end and it's like, and it didn't happen. So great job, everybody. He got out for half a second and it was the, the fucking horse mount from 2.0. Like, it's just like, cool, great, this is neat. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think that if we had had a fourth fight, right, where yeah. the four lords help you or you channel their powers or something, and then you have this huge thing with Kiryu, and I think that would have probably made this my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. But as it is, it kind of sits on the back burner. And I hope at some point they explore that, be it through an ultimate where you mm -hmm. have them integrated and Kiryu is an actually a part of it mm -hmm. or through some future thing. Because, yeah, these are great fights and memorable characters. But kind of like what you brought up with Alexander earlier, Fusion, they feel kind of like a little side thing. And they're yeah. great and they've come back a little bit, but it doesn't feel like it has the same impact. Yeah, I think it's definitely like the, the bottom half of the list for, for A-Man for me. Um we also I think had, I will say just on the yeah, four lords because sure. that one quest that we just got recently I think also gave us some added context. Um, yeah, yeah, the Tari uh, yeah. quest. So I think yeah. if we got that during Stormblood, I think that might have been a good like I don't know, just sort of cap to that. But it seemed we got mm. that like two expansions later. So yeah. had we gotten that, it sure. might have been rated a little higher. Yeah, I agree. Um, we also got another deep dungeon. We got Heaven on High. Um, so this one, it was <laughs> instead of like going down, it's just like hey, there's a giant <laughs> tower just going to go up forever and ever and ever. Um, I thought the, the story was interesting, not as gripping as, as the original Palace of the Dead. Um, but you know, it was like, Hey, Alligans and stuff and like training and it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so it was, it was, it was fine. It was more of kind of what we came to expect. They, they tweaked, a, you know, some of the pomanders and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. um, other than that, it was just, you know, another deep dungeon. Yeah. It was nice to see that content though, because that really realized that they, saw that we liked the deep dungeon and mm -hmm. we're trying to find a way to make it more consumable with it only being a hundred floors. Um, and then having the story just, I think the first 20 was it what I think it was for that or first 30. Um, I think 30, I think 30, 30. Has, Some, yeah, like, it was like 20 or like 30 standard for that. Yeah. So I think that they did a lot of fine tuning to the original deep dungeon. I'm still more partial to the first deep dungeon, just from that being my like full focus for like eight months. But sure. I think heaven on high was a unique experience and it definitely, um, I feel like it, got a little harder, um, especially as you got to higher floors, just from somebody that's done kind of both at that time. I was like, okay, this seems like it is a little bit of a scale up. Um, so it was an interesting kind of take for them to, to make it just a little bit harder on some of those higher floors, it felt like. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think, Dee? Did you do much Heaven on High? I've been a Palace of the Dead, so I very recently got into solo content and I'm an Astrogen lover. I've literally played only Ass since playing. And so trying to do solo ast runs of I've been told the horror stories of Heaven on High because of yeah. the way Ath Earthly Star has now changed, hasn't it? So it used to be this cute little circle, and now it's literally like the entire freaking room. room. Yeah. So, the, so trying to solo climb Heaven on High as ass is probably not the thing that I'm going to attempt at. But Powers of the Dead, for example, like like we mentioned before, the introduction of that kind of content has tapped into you know more content for people mm -hmm. who maybe don't like the traditional kind of PVE boss type uh, versus you know raid mechanics. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, the new things, things they... were good too. The, the summon, summon comments. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking Mind about effect, the yeah. things they added. Having the one room that's just all open with no walls, having yeah. the uh, yeah. summons, having the little buff animals, which I thought was cute. The I like all those additions. Yeah, yeah. turning yeah. into the otter. <laughs> so cute. Um, the, oh, the big one with Stormblood, Eureka. So this was mm. one of those things they teased. They're like, hey, Final Fantasy XI players, would you like Final Fantasy XI type content? And everyone's like, yeah. And then we were reminded <laughs> of what that was. Um, it was it, right. And again, like we, I will never say, don't try new things. <laughs> you have to try new things to keep the game interesting. Eureka was uh, one of those things where in a game that at 2.0, they're like, we're going to remove the elemental wheel because that's too complicated for people. And then they're like, here's content with an elemental wheel, but also you physically change <laughs> the wheel and your wheel has charges. Um, it was kind of weird. Um, it was great content to be able to just kind of jump into because it, it very quickly just turned into a fate train. That was the content. It was a fate train uh, with lots of bear puns. Um, and it was one of those things you could easily just jump in on whatever and just walk around with people and just kill things and there were a million eleven easter eggs and you know there were issues with it right um but it was it was interesting i thought it was you know an interesting you know attempt at new content um and of course we got the you know eventually right with the, the third leg we got baldessian arsenal which was a whole other thing <laughs> um i think it kind of like it tapped into like this cute thing where it kind of so I saw it with Ishgard Restoration, right, where you kind of had these little pockets of just communities which would get together to do stuff. So, like, for me, looking at it, it was like, you mentioned, like, Red Mage just being, like, the go-to person because you would just go res people, which is, like, to me, as someone coming into a game for the first time, like, it was absurd to me that people would just be like, hi, I died here, I need help, and people would just flock to you to res you because yeah. they knew what it meant to, to die there. And you'd, like, ping each other, you're keeping tracks of these little maps and what's going up next, okay, you're doing this one, I'll do that one. It kind of, like, created that little pocket of just a little cute community, you know? And, like, that, to me, was, like, the best thing when I came into Stormblood, was looking at that, being like, this is awesome. This is, like, a completely different entity. It's, like, a different zone. People are in this faraway land, and they're just working together, going around in a big circle, doing loops. Um, killing things and so like that was nice I think I like that yeah I think I mean, it was a joint suffering type of thing too. Like, everybody yeah oh, knew absolutely. The struggle. <laughs> I've got weird feelings about Eureka I I enjoyed it at first but I actually got turned off from it very early on based on shout chat um mm. I remember because everyone was doing as you mentioned the fate trains for the notorious monsters a lot of us that were earlier couldn't get the groups together to do like the leveling that we needed to do and then people would get mad at us because we're not hitting the you know mobs mm. but it would take like 20 minutes for us to take down one like one yeah. uh, uh enemy and then that ended up like becoming a super like toxic and it, it came very like weirdly toxic and i i don't i've never played 11 so i'm not sure if that was something that was also shared with like 11's players like where it just got kind of like catty and kind of stuff but i think that that killed a lot of the early enjoyment i had for eureka and i actually didn't touch it again until i started doing the cards uh the triple triad cards mm. and i just recently had to finish the third one i think it is pyros um, mm -hmm. so I can get those cards unlocked, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things that like, it just became like this kind of like toxic little like cesspool in the beginning. I don't, maybe it was just my server or maybe just it was, it was certainly rough but... at the beginning. Um, they didn't add the, um, like the challenge log XP boost until yeah. a, a later. fair bit later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, if That's they had had those the at the beginning, I think that would have helped. Yeah. That's the, exactly how I would summarize Eureka. If they had mm -hmm. had that at the beginning, it would have helped. Oh yeah. Because... I actually 
I have been converted to Eureka. I will say this, it has happened to me. It has occurred. We've had a lot of discussion recently about the most recent relic in Endwalker. Mm -hmm. And I keep seeing again and again and again in the community, well, I hated Eureka, so anything is better than that. And I don't blame people for saying that because I fell off of it initially yeah. myself. And what made me fall off of it was that there were just a lot of decisions made. I mean, it was their first time trying to really sell people on something like this, although they did have information from Diadem, which eventually would evolve into this, which would eventually evolve into Boja. But Boja had all of these quality of life things implemented in it, but it didn't have some of the interesting maps, zone design, driving narrative, and other things that Eureka did have. And I think that if we had seen those changes happen much faster in Eureka. If they had from the get-go been like, oh, hey, there's going to be a problem with leveling discrepancy. So why don't we do something where if you're bringing friends in or whatever, you can sink down to their level. Or why don't we do something like this where if you're in a party or, you know, I think if they had addressed those things, been more forward thinking about it from the get-go. And then if they had cut out some of the absolute nonsense buffoonery systems in this, like <laughs> I don't yeah. mind the elemental wheel because on principle, when you figure out how it works, it's pretty simplistic and you go, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. And with the themes of Eureka, it makes sense. But when you start getting to the lost action stuff, I literally still to this day, mm -hmm. I will not spend time in Eureka and then I'll get back in it and I'll go to that interface and I go, who designed this and why? Why? This is the most counterintuitive thing. Yeah, so convoluted for sure. It's yeah. so confusing. You put stuff in, you intuitively think from a UI design standpoint, this is going to make that do this and then it'll combine these. And it's absolutely not that. I had to get a friend who was obsessed with Eureka to come in and explain it to me like I was a baby exactly because I straight thing. up, yes, like I literally yeah. could not even comprehend what in the world they were asking me yeah. for. And in Boja, they ended up streamlining that action system so that it made much more sense. In in Eureka and stuff, all the things with the light farming and the tea kettle and the all these things. If they had just cut that garbage out, yeah. <laughs> left something in a, or a more streamlined version of the actions, done, you know, if they had done something to be more forward-thinking and proactive about the leveling discrepancies, if if those things had been in there. I think it would have become one of the most popular pieces of content because having gone in now when they've adjusted so many things, they've added in the logs, it's much, much smoother getting through high to toes. It's much, right? I genuinely found that I was like, this is cool. This yeah. is a breath of fresh air. This is really interesting. I love that it culminates in something like Baldessian, uh, uh, the Baldessian arsenal. I love what they did with some of the ideas in it. It's a great experience and the community behind it that's passionate about it. There's so many interesting little things like, okay, now we'll go over here. It's this time of day. So we're going to get these mobs and then this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, but it was not sold well. And they made it way more arduous than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And they weren't fast enough on correcting that right off the bat. And because of that, we saw a more distilled version in Boja, some of which was way more successful and really, really, really good improvements. But the environments, the zones, the intricacy, much less engaging. The critical engagements and stuff were cool, right? We'll talk about this too when we get there. But I think that Eureka could have really, really been something. And I still think it could be 
But I don't know if they're going to put development time towards it anymore, which is yeah. really unfortunate. It, it was yeah. so divisive. It was so divisive in general that like a lot of people, you, there are very few people I feel like out there, and I could be completely wrong, but just from my experience with other players, you either hated it or you loved it. There weren't very many people that were kind of in between. Um, and if so, they just didn't really mention it. But yeah, it, it, it had so many cool qualities to it, but the lost actions were so complicated. One of my mods, Storm, had to literally sit there and baby me through the whole thing because I didn't understand understand what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I had to use websites and all this and other stuff. And you needed to get a certain amount of those unlocked too to yeah. do Relic. And, exactly. And that's, that's another thing too. Like how many people would have completely stopped Eureka if it wasn't tied to Relic? Oh, I would have immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Moving. We gotta, we gotta move a little quicker here. <laughs> we still got to <laughs> We gotta get through. We gotta get through. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we had more tribe quests. We had the Kojin, the Ananta, and the Namazu. I think the Namazu are, are one of my favorite tribe quests just because it's it's they go full Hildebrand. It's <laughs> incredibly goofy. Um, they, this one also had a, a cumulative quest at the end. If you uh, max strap all of them, it, they were, uh, you know, the, the Kojin and the Inanta, they were OK. But I think for me, the Namazu were like like by and far like the biggest. Standout. Yeah, they were definitely the star for sure. Stupid! Uh, <laughs> I really love how stupid they are. Yeah. I just <laughs> little squeaks when they walk. Each each, <laughs> each time you rank up, it tell, there's like a little narration thing about like, well, you know, originally like this was gonna happen, they were all gonna die, but you saved them. Good job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was it was the comic relief I think of Beast Tribes that we got yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the bunch, they're my favorite. I did actually find the Ananta story very interesting. I like the Kojin as a faction. I think they're they're fun little turtle buds, and they love treasure. And I I I mean that's me distilling it down to a very simplistic thing. Yeah. They mm -hmm. revere items and objects and everything else that goes into the history and um, you know sort of mythology and spiritual side of them, which I think is really interesting. But the Ananta I thought was really a cool quest there with the upgrading of that area. And the Namazu are probably my one of my absolute favorite tribes just because yes they are so funny so the yeah. only times at that point in the game that i've ever done a tribe quest that was crafter gatherer now <laughs> i've done a lot more but because i just loved them so much i sat there on my incompetent i didn't knew nothing about anything but i just wanted to power through and max them out um because they are so silly but so charming <laughs> I just love their <laughs> stupid little faces. Mm -hmm. And weren't they the first one that had blended? Because weren't they gathering and crafting, if I remember correctly? Was that yeah. our first blended yeah. one? Mm -hmm. Besides, maybe maybe Was if we're looking Exal at the Exali, maybe? Exali, yeah. I think we're crafting and gathering, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so good. Kojin needed way more Ninja Turtles references. Per, in my yeah. personal opinion, um, they were good. They just didn't really stand good. out for me. The yeah. Anato was fun, but it like it, it I, was I forgettable. Remember, I feel like I don't even yeah, remember. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> the Namazu were just that good that everything else is just <laughs> it's gone. They were. I love them. They're so stupid. I loved the mount that came. From, I love the mount that came from it too. Oh, the Mikoshi. Like, yes. Yeah, oh, I love that Mikari. thing. I have yes. the gold so. one too, just because. For oh, the, wow. the gold one is so weird. They, they all look ill. Like they're weird, like oh, yeah. yellow color. And then, and then there's like yep. the one in the back with just like white eyes. This is like completely yeah. like he's done. <laughs> this uh, was also this is totally worth noting. This is one of the breakpoints where the tribe quests were actually really, really worth doing for leveling. Because yeah. although mm -hmm. before you did get experience from them, obviously, Stormblood is when I think they tuned it to the point where they became a vital part of if you're trying to, you know, Omni 
omni-level kind of thing. They became a vital part of that rotation. So even now, if people ask me on streamer things, should I do the tribe quests for leveling? I'll be like, okay, look, you can do them if you're around 50 and you're doing like the ones from ARR and stuff, you can do them, but you're really not going to get as much bang for your buck. Yeah. So I would say, wait until Stormblood. When you're around Stormblood levels, do those mm. ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then level and keep going because you get a lot from them. And I personally really appreciate that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, any, it was nice how much it changed. ARR uh, through Stormblood, like if you do all the, the different tribes, like you get an extra like little quest bit at the end, mm -hmm. which is really cool. Um, but like even if you don't do that, I feel like the the crafting gather ones from each expansion I think offer the best story, like by a, a pretty decent chunk. Um there's just some really, really cool and fun stuff in there. Um one of the other things, you know, we talked about uh, Mordona and Idleshire. Um with Stormblood, you get to help kind of rebuild the Domain Enclave a little bit. Um, which is really I thought this was really interesting and a really cool way to do it because it's player based. Whereas with like Mordona and Idleshire, it's like you log in in a patch and it's just all different. You're like, oh, I didn't do anything. Like, there are players now mm -hmm. that, like, will never see those steps of transition. Mm -hmm. But with the Domain Enclave, it's it's player-based, which I thought, I thought was really cool. And it's a really interesting way to kind of bring in some more of that, like, Far East, like, culture. Like, like I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and it, it sounds ridiculous, but, like, you could watch them, like, make paper. Like I just find that fascinating that they're like, yeah, we need to like get some, get our industries going back up. Here's this little like place out here. We're making paper, and it's just like, I think it's I think it's cool. <laughs> Appreciation of the little things for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Dominance yeah, was interesting. Like I feel like it was. I almost feel like they could have done more with that because, like, all it was was just the delivery of items for like a translation of points, right? And that's what. Well, changed no, it. not. But so this is the the NPC where, and you can still do it now, where you just NPC like whatever, and they like yeah. will double the price of it up yeah. to like forty okay. k like a week. So like yeah. all these like elegant pieces that you're getting back from your retainers, take them over to the mm -hmm. Enclave. They're worth like double for up to like forty k, which is really cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, I think I wish that was more like I feel like that was like I wish they could have given us more. And I know they did with like Ishgard that this kind of walked so Ishgard it's, could run. But yeah, 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 I wish it had just a little bit more. It's it's yeah, mm -hmm. it's one of those it's one of those things where you look at it, right? It's that evolution of like Mordona, Idleshire, Domain Enclave, Ishgard Restoration, where then you have like Diadem, Eureka, Bojan, Southern Bosha. Front. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it gives you a nice kind of sense of reconciliation in the region and rebuilding. So I think it kind of sets that up in your mind and imagination to have a sense of, oh yeah, they're rebuilding after everything that occurred, which is a great kind of epilogue to have. I agree. It would be great to see maybe them even use that zone for more. I mean, we have the FETs now in Ishgardian restoration zones, having something mm. like that, where even if a non-combat thing, like you go and you help them make paper or something, having little events <laughs> that you could do for bonus rewards would be, I think, fun in that area. But it's so beautiful. They upgrade it so well. You unlock the vendor and there's some neat little rewards that come from that. And then you can use it as a bit of a guild turnover each week, which is also great. Although I think they could have easily made it 100k or or something although yeah. that's a lot it still also banks on people remembering to do it all the time i forgot yeah. you could even still do it to be honest yeah, yeah. i mean there, there's, <laughs> there's not enough <laughs> huge gill sinks in the game i think to where they want to just hand out the gill like that readily like it's it's fine to have a little bit but yeah. you know yeah, but I, I liked it the final cutscenes of that were beautiful with the mm -hmm. lanterns and the memorial and yeah. everything 
you like help build like the school and stuff. Like there's just a lot of really cool stuff in that. Um, in terms of characters, we had uh, I mean we had Hien right, who was the you know leader of Doma. He was it was was it Cyan's theme? Yes, I, I think that they, yeah. they used for him, which is really cool. We had we had uh, Gosetsu, who was you know kind of his mentor. We get a, there's a lot of good backstory with a lot of these characters. A lot of it either in game or uh, the you know Tales of the Storm. Uh, that came out afterwards where you learn like where, you know, like he got a scar from and there's, there's just like a lot of really cool character development and, and the relationships between them. Um, and then, you know, we have Yotsuyu. Um, oh, I love that. I, like, yeah. I think she was probably one of the most memorable characters for me just because of her, you know, for, from her being Sukiyomi to her being, you know, she had a very um, interesting arc. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And then yeah. we have someone like Ferdola whose arc is still kind of ongoing. Yeah, Which is, didn't expect that. That's kind of cool. Um, and then <laughs> we have Xenos. That's that's fine. Um, <laughs> and of course, we had Alpha and Omega, which is, I mean, it's Alpha and Omega. Like you can't. Everybody loves Alpha and Omega. Yeah. There's also Arnvald. I mean, there's there's oh, so yeah, many. Yeah. yeah. Yep. There were yep. so many characters introduced in Stormblood, and even if we didn't get a huge amount of exploration with them at the time, my gosh, Sadu, uh, Serena, Magnite. Isn't that also when we son. met Pippin? Was Pippin Heaven's Pippin. Word or was Pippin Stormblood? I could have sworn I he think, was Stormblood. I think there was more of an emphasis on Stormblood, but I do believe we see him in 2.x. Okay, yeah. Because I, so. I, I think he... this. His did art Pippin, came about in Stormblood, though. Did Pippin mm -hmm. find us on the other side of the tunnels at the end of 2.5? Oh, I, you, wait. You might be right. I don't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, the end All I remember uh, is yeah. that okay. Rauban traded for Pippin for a beer. He got Pippin for a beer. Because <laughs> <Yep. his laughs> dad was and then if, awful. Of course, we had some big character transformations like Lease and everything else yeah. in Stormblood. Yeah. So Stormblood, it really set a lot up. It really mm -hmm. did. And I have to give I have to give that much to it because whatever you think of the story, I think that it laid the foundation for so much of the world to expand, to be built upon, to have this bigger, more far-reaching cast uh, and delivered a lot of really good content. So, I mean, yeah, I was even just trying to think about all the characters that were introduced in Stormblood. I was kind of going, okay, wait, and then there was... Well, oh, and, you know, towards... The Towards the yeah, end, too, we also had a certain Garlean Emperor yes. uh, show mm -hmm. up as well, who was, yeah. I, oh, it's so interesting how they made him not suck in Shadowbringers to me. Like, <laughs> in, when, when they introduced him in Stormblood, I was like, I'm getting, like, total, like, Arden vibes from, like, 15. Hated Arden in 15, didn't like him in 14, was what I used to say. But then in, like, Shadowbringers, like, he, they, they made him into such a more memorable and likable character. Um, I forgot that was Stormblood. Yeah, that was happened. right at the yeah. end. They're like, there's a certain point where things like certain side stuff that blends <laughs> together, and I can never remember what. Yeah, yeah. What they're like, we got from. this like black poison thing. We're gonna like release yeah. it, and it's like, oh, and then black like, rose was it? Black, black rose, rose. Oh, and yeah. then and then all this weird voices getting in people's heads and knocking them unconscious, and that was the end of Stormblood. And Emmett Selk shows up with his sassy self. Yeah, there was so much that was. <laughs> I mean, it was too much. It was too much. Let's be. Stormblood needed an expansion the length of Endwalker. It needed it. It didn't get it. And I think what they did with the time they had overall hung together. Did it shine as well as it could have? No, but it gave them so much to build on. It gave them so much to build on. It yeah. gave stones that we very much so needed to build where the story is now. Yeah. All right. So we have, we have two expansions and like 30 minutes. 
Yes. So oh, that we hold have on. Time really fast, though. Outro. Yeah. It is important to note, as Krev said, there were huge tech problems at the yeah. launch of Stormblood. I noticed that little addition to the thing here. Yeah. And that was a huge thing, and it was really it was annoying. Yeah. So it actually deterred me from Stormblood, um, and that's why my rating of Stormblood is actually much lower, is because I couldn't play the game for two weeks, because I was locked at Raubon Extreme, and I could yep. not get mm -hmm. through. Yeah, it was super oh, infuriating. Gold, gold, was Gold Saucer Stormblood? No. No, 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 no. that was way earlier. That was no, way, way earlier. earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, either Rummy Born or Heavensward, I think. Yeah, so yeah. all this to say... Is Stormblood any of our favorite expansions? No. No. But I'll add a little note to that in that I think Stormblood might have been one of my favorite eras of the game because the content that was coming out, I, I was obsessed with Astrologian D. I was obsessed yeah. with Astro in that I age. Was Astro main there too. Yes. <laughs> to me, my favorite time. I yeah. loved Astro and Stormblood. I did too. That's, like, I just, I, I think I just loved the period of time in Stormblood, yeah. the raids, all the content, all the stuff that came out afterwards. So even if it's not my favorite expansion, I do think there's <laughs> yeah. still a lot to praise in it. And there's I a lot really of interesting stuff. I think it, it's my favorite Alliance raid. That's that's the credit I'll give to Stormblood. It's my favorite Alliance raid. I'm I'm a sucker for uh, like Avengers moments, and in Stormblood you had them like everywhere. So I will say like that kind of gave me what I needed from the MSQ. Even though, like you said, it was very fragmented all over the place. You had like the Avengers moments in Alamigo, then in Doma, then everyone together back again in Alamigo. So I got my my fix through Stormblood. Mm. Uh, all right, that brings us into Shadowbringers, where we got uh, Gunbreaker and Dancer finally after seeing Lise not being a dancer in that oh, in that teaser trailer. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh my god, it's a dance!" No, it's, it's just a, a healer monk. too. <laughs> it's just a monk. Uh, so we got Gunbreaker and Dancer, really interesting jobs. Um, obviously, Gunbreaker had a lot of FF8 origins to it, um, but it has never really been its own job in Final Fantasy. And then, of course, we've had Dancer before, um, where they <laughs> they took a lot of the RNG stuff out of Machinist and then slapped it on Dancer. And then, laughably, and we talked about this before, they removed a bunch of utility from Bard and from Machinist yeah. <laughs> because they put it on Dancer and they wanted people to play the new job. Okay. Um, no, yeah, like, I love big... I love those classes, mm -hmm. but. It was one of the times, I think the two classes are fantastic, but it was one of the times where the release of those classes so drastically impacted other classes that it left this very weird chaos. Yeah. 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 Um, nothing like super crazy system wise. Like there's no, you know, like no swimming or flying equivalent. Like it was just, it was just kind of, here's a new thing. Like instead of. You know, and, and this was something kind of leading up to it. We were like, why are we going to the first when they're like, we haven't gone to the new world. We haven't seen what's under the clouds by Garlemald. Like, what is going on? What are they thinking? Um, and so it was it was interesting to see them kind of, you know, move the narrative away from everything else we've been doing. Um, mm -hmm. They did give us new races with this one. So That's I guess right. that kind of takes a feature. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got, so we got. We Rothgar and, <laughs> Rothgar and yeah, Vera, we, but only mm. one sex of each. <laughs> and I, we've I, had multiple mm. podcasts where we just go about them. I wish I had a ball so I could drop it. Like <laughs> pros and cons, pros and cons. I love both yeah. the races. I'm glad they're in the game. Major drawbacks with the release and implementation of them. And I think yeah. that's mm. that's a good. That's probably the summary. Otherwise, we'll be here the for best. four more hours. Yeah. Yeah. Paint, paints and brush mentions this too. Uh, <laughs> machinist rework and Shadowbringers. It was almost like a third job at that point. It was oh my god, 
Machinist and Shadowbringer. So good. Um, raids. Uh, so the Alliance raid uh, was was near. This was um, my favorite one, really? hands down. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm a huge near fan. It's oh, my second. We'll see, game. and then that that works oh. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mechanically, I, I think mechanically it was really fun. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to the story, this is like the worst. Alliance raid they've ever done. It was so confusing. Yeah. It made no sense. It lacked a lot of that world. Like when we talked about Evilies, how you kind of weave it into the setting. It had none of that. And it was just like, here it is. And it, I, 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 I've tried to play Automata so many times and I just, I can't get into it. Um, yeah. And so for it's me, it's not everybody's game. So yeah. yeah it, and, and I think it, it piqued a lot of our, like those of us who really did love Automata or who then played Automata because of these raids, mm -hmm. it really did leave a, such a cool experience for us, yeah. but it was very, I would say not well received by people who just didn't understand near or didn't care about near. Cause I remember copied factory getting, why are all the things brown? Why is all this? Stuff? And I, like, I'm just over here. Why like, is it rusty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm so excited. But like, I, it, it, for me, I think it was very one-sided. It's either if you liked Nier, uh, you loved it. Or if you didn't know anything about Nier, you didn't like it, I feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that was the big detriment. It's it's when you when you have a crossover like that, you need to not rely on that outside knowledge to be able to enjoy what it is in that game. Like, it should be like reversed, you know, but... <laughs> Uh, some people loved it and others didn't, and that's that's how it is, and that's that's fine. It's not always going to land with everybody. D, you seemed to feel really positively about it. Do you agree? How did you enjoy the near raid well, set? I, that was the reverse. So, like, that was almost what we talked about in Stormblood with the Final Fantasy five, six, and nine references. Is for me, you know, how we talked about how you need to have like a knowledge of the game before you can kind of really enjoy this raid. I I'm one of these people who, when I was during this era of Shadowbringers, I started playing towards the end of Stormblood and the beginning of Shadowbringers. I was a cutscene skipper. I say was everybody, don't fight me. I was, so I skipped through everything. I had He's BGM turned off. I got better. Yeah, yeah, I had BGM turned <laughs> off. I skipped, and then like when I went through this MSQ, everyone like in chat would be like, "Oh my god, the music is so good," and I'm like, "Well, like what music?" So I turned the BGM on, and it was literally watching this and hearing the BGM here. I was like, "It is." haunting it is like scary but it's also beautiful and Krev is a massive fan so i watched all of Krev's like playthroughs and replaythroughs of this game because it was one of those things where it almost did i guess what they kind of hoped it would do where it kind of pulled you out from this world and said look at this other world we have and so like for me experiencing it the other way around i i loved it like it was one of those fights where then seeing the references of the people kind of the bosses i was like like when red girl came out everyone lost their yes. mind i was just like mm -hmm. oh my oh, god i missed yeah. that cosplay <laughs> i cosplayed as red girl when that yeah. first came out and it's still one of my favorite cosplays i've ever done oh I, this is so great to hear because I feel as though we have the full range of thoughts on it here because Fusion was very much on the end of, I really hate this. Yeah. Worst raid ever. <laughs> oh my God. I am squarely in the middle in that I wasn't wholly sold on the story culmination, just the story mm. element. But I think the actual raids that we got, the fights, the music, the design were fantastic and i still love when they pop in the queue i yes. really enjoy them and i i'll turn the music on i'll do everything because i'm like mm -hmm. oh, yay, near time <laughs> so i really enjoyed those so i'm kind of middle ground and then we have both of you on the end of really enjoying it and that to me means that hey yes this is a success in the sense that across the board in an mmo content over the course of its lifetime should speak to different people and will not mm -hmm. always speak 
100% to everybody, of course, because yeah. nothing in this yes. world speaks 100% to everybody that exists, right? So that makes me really happy to hear because, yeah, I was definitely more on the end where, to me, I'd probably rank the near raid culmination lower down just because of the fact that I went... I think I've had other ones that I felt more connected to or felt more tied into the world or the story felt more, mm -hmm. you know, powerful at the end, but the fights and things were so great. So it's great to hear that you both yeah. loved it so much. And I, I absolutely agree. Like, I don't want to, you know, take my clouded judgment of being a huge Nier fan out of this. The story, I completely agree with you, Fusion. It did not tie well. And I think it could have been done better. But at a certain point, like, I don't know what they could have done to really, like, yeah link it together but the fights the music um the third fight in particular the fact that it really it synced very well with near replicant being launched um mm -hmm. because it pulled yeah. a lot of the replicant vibes rather than the automata vibes that it had done pretty much all the way up to um so yeah i think they they played that perfectly I, I based on the schedule of the release of that game yeah so. and, and that's that's that was actually when when i thought about that that kind of deterred me a little bit even more because it's like oh it's like it's when you think back like you know 20 years ago when they would like rush games out for movie tie-ins mm -hmm. right it felt like that with raids where it's like oh, oh i don't know what the story is but we need this because we need to sell the replicant remaster yeah <laughs> I, honestly i think that one was like and i loved copied factory i grinded that one constantly i would get new gear i got every single piece of glamour and then i accidentally got it twice because i thought i didn't get it so <laughs> i i've done copied factory more times than i can think but i loved the last fight specifically because they were able to tie it in and it didn't necessarily feel rushed because that fight was stunning like not only the it last was an interesting boss, but, fight. like the mechanics yeah. uh, you know uh, story aside like i thought the mechanics yeah. were really interesting i've always loved the music from near um and the fact that they literally throw the Square Enix building at you. Yes. The yeah. first time that I was in that fight and a building, you know, the floor kind of goes transparent and everybody's like, what's going on? What's yeah. happening? And then you see and a shadow. Then, like, you see oh, a no. shadow and you're going, is there something up? Should I angle my camera? And then a building literally comes barreling up at you. Yeah, it was phenomenal. So wild. And the music in that one is just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. they did some, some really good jobs with that. Um, eight, eight, anything else on near? D is just reminding sure. me of a really yeah. trolly moment I had with my community. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember doing, it was the second fight. It was um, the like bodied version of 2P. Um, the, I, mm. I don't know how to explain that one. That the one's freaking out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. congealed. Oh, that makes it worse. Let's not use that word. That's like using the word moist. Um, it, uh, I remember trolling my community so bad. I wiped our entire alliance except for myself because I was like, oh, this spot's safe. And then I realized halfway through, I was like, that's not safe. And I ran and I survived and my entire alliance wiped out. And it's oh, still, I think it's one of my top views clips great. on my channel, but it was, it was still so much fun. I laughed for like days after that. Um, all right. So, uh, for the eight man raid, we had Eden, uh, which was, I mean, if, if you're an FF8 fan, I mean, what's what's not to love, right? Um, uh, of course, then I you am, get in, but... and then the first fight was against Eden. You're like, oh, oh, <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> where is this going? Um, yeah, like it was it was interesting. I mean, they they end up remixing a lot of the primals. Um, we questioned our mental health and and memory. Uh, Titan has a go kart. Leviathan has two heads. But it's, <laughs> no, that's that's how I remember it. Um, and then we we get towards the end of the second tier. Um, so this, this oh. was an era I can, I can f remember <laughs> Yoshida making a statement 
saying, please stop looting the underage girls in our video game. Months later, they wrap a naked underage girl in a dragon. Yep. Yep. Do a cheeky little look away mechanic because he, 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 it's so inappropriate to look at her. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, <sighs> that was a huge controversy because I remember that like just on Twitter, like there were people getting called out for that. And then it was just like, oh my God, like people were like, oh my God, she's hot. And I'm like, she's like 12. Can we stop? I, like, and it, it was, oh, it was so I, much. Looking back at it, because I, I wasn't as into to rating then for the first little bit of that. I kind of wish it blew up more just so Square Enix would have had to make a public response because they it, never yeah. they've never had to address it. It's just everybody knows it happened. We talked about it. We said you and we, everybody's just kind of moved on from it. I really wish that he got a little more flack for it. Especially after yeah. Yoshida's like, stop looting our underage characters. And then, like, the next patch, it's in yeah. the game. Like, oh, my God. This is a huge, big controversy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge, complex issue. It's something that I think many people will just say, oh, whatever, get over it. And, you know, kind sure. of roll their eyes. And it's fine. There is a, there is a point where, yes, as intelligent people and gamers in this world where we need to be able to draw distinctions between hey yeah this is a game and hey yeah this is a whatever and in a fantasy setting stuff can happen wait but, dragons aren't real well yeah but oh sorry at sorry, the same time i know this is actually devastating to me emotionally <laughs> that dragons aren't real but here we are um no but the thing is too that there are real there are real problems in the world there are real issues in the world and there are people who do not draw those boundaries and anime as a whole has a it has a tendency line, yeah. mm -hmm. yes to toe that line and it does lead to a lot we have to be real of underage sexual abuse like mm -hmm. it's it's not just like a you're all overreacting it's statistically a real thing yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a real on thing. a real issue like yeah. yes a lot of people will uh, and just to throw in a comment a lot of people will be like oh it's a fictional character it doesn't matter no that fictional character is still a child like yes. yeah that that's showing a link that should not be there like mm -hmm. and it's something that i mean it, it's just we have to think about these things we have to be conscious about these things and there are discussions that need to be had around them and i mean yeah i won't lie i found it incredibly distasteful especially yeah. because they literally were having to say hey we could get into legal trouble stop doing mods uh, that are inappropriate that cast our underage characters in lewd settings stop doing these things you know it, it's we could you know you can literally get in some countries you can literally get pr like prosecuted for yeah. for this if if you're caught with it because it counts as underage yeah. like if you have you know it counts as underage porn like it just does and then to have this raid come out where the sinuous climbing of the snake dragon up the naked underage character's body even if she's magically transformed it really was tone deaf to me. Absolutely. And I know to many people, they're just going to be like, she's transformed. She's not herself. Shiva's an adult. Blah, 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 blah. But like, they did not make her Shiva's model. They did yeah. not make Shiva be there. They did mm -hmm. not make, she looked like herself, but with white hair in a dress. Mm. And then it, sometimes in an outfit that has a V all the way down past her navel, which again, I mean, we can't control this. It's like people can dress how they want to dress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But everything together added up to this this really unfortunate vibe. And 
overall, I I had things I really liked about this raid set, and I had things that I really did not like about this raid set. I think Reen and Gaia's characters are so sweet, and I want them to thrive and be girlfriends and love each other, and to, you know, <laughs> like, have a healthy relationship as young people finding themselves in this world and everything else. But, like, all the other stuff in this raid, I didn't particularly care for a lot of the fights. Some, mm -hmm. some had moments, and then to have that on top of it, I was just like... <laughs> I, I think... I think you know. We've talked okay. about this before. I wish the ending and their relationship status was more heavy-handed. Instead of yeah, like, true. oh, we're going to go for a like drive their, and stuff. Are you stuff. talking about like the sapphic side of their love? Or like yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it, it would be an interesting stance to see in a game, especially from a Japanese game. A game. So I think like as much as I want that to happen, I don't know if we're ever going to no. see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we can all know. We know. Right. Yeah, we know <laughs> there's only i would say there's only one fight that i really truly loved um was titan titan and i still go back whenever i find titan savage in party finder and people want to learn it i go in like oh it's the only savage fight i will ever go into just randomly to help people <laughs> crab absolutely not uplift 2 did my head in it's a lot different but i, I mean i I loved it. And even just because um, we, we ran into this like game that we would do on uh, uh, patch release days for like normal raids. And I would go in and requeue and we would do a death bet in my channel of how many people would <laughs> die. Not like making fun of anybody, but yeah, just, yeah, like, just really, like, six people are going to sure. die and then winner gets channel points or something. But um, I remember having so much fun with Titan. Like and I know mm. people were like disappointed with like his battle and stuff like that. But I really loved it. Like I loved a lot about that fight. But that was, I think, the only one I actually really liked or cared about during that. Oh, I don't know. Daddy Ramu had a feelings. I had feelings for Daddy Ramu. E5 turned up, and I was like, how do I feel about this? Yeah. I don't know. There were emotions. The yeah. BGM started popping, and I was like, ooh, I don't know. Yeah. It awoke something in you. Hot yeah, Grandpa I was like, Centaur. <laughs> Furious 14 me, question mark? I, I don't know. It, you know, and, and I've, at one point, too, like, I remember, like, just calling the raids, like, Bad Ideas, the raid series. Because, like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, like, I know, like, we're doing, you know, one element at a time. What if we just do, like, two at a time? I'm sure that'll be fine, yeah, right? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, it, that would be terrible. Why would you? Let's go ahead and summon Ifrit Angerud. Yeah. Ractopasta, off you go. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did really. I forgot all about that one. I did really enjoy the second half of the final fight. So the the Gaia. Okay. Oh my gosh. Not yeah. you know, like the the actual she herself as Gaia. Yes. yes. The darkness, time shenanigans. With, with with the FF8 soundtrack playing in the yes. background. Yes. Yes. I wanted that to like that was fight, my favorite. but I could not. I could not. <laughs> It was so, okay. the time, I think the time mechanic is what drove me nuts. And that also mm. plays into the fact that I hated 2, which was the, uh, what was that name? Oh, that Void, what's something? Void Walker. Void Walker. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, as soon as I saw the Oracle of Darkness recalling back to number two, I was like, oh God, this is everything I hated about that fight. <laughs> and I think that's like, it was a cool looking fight and cool sounding fight, but yeah. doing those mechanics, I died so many. My poor raid team <laughs> just was like sick of me. <laughs> I, th I thought that the, the st overall story was good. Um, it's it's one of those like, it definitely had a big tie in with MSQ, but it, it they I think they could have probably put a few more threads on that to to link it into things because yeah. it was it was very important to <laughs> what happened on the first, but it was also very much on the side. So I think mm -hmm. if they could have tied that together a little bit more, um, I think that would have been. You mentioning that fusion made me go made me realize 
unlike the other two expansions that we've talked about so far, we did not even touch on Shadowbringers MSQ first. Are we saving oh, it for oh last? Oh gosh! I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm like I'm in like panic mode. I'm like I'm like looking at the time and like what we have left, <laughs> and I'm like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we 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 breezed over it, right? The idea of it's it's a completely it's its own world. It doesn't really, uh, at least initially, right? It's you're, you're one of the first. You're not dealing with any of the things that we were just dealing with. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Emmett Selk is is kind of cool now. Um, he's 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 not Arden. Um, we all know it's Grahatia, but we'll find out later, and it'll still be super emotional. Um, Fusion, you are vastly underselling right I'm now. I'm trying to like so this. You, but it's you true, do it. You I, do it. Then. I, feel, I feel like this MSQ had us fighting our conscience a lot. Like around every yeah. bend, there was just like emotional and also like your own you're addressing like how you feel about things like this is a villain we end up are we like sympathizing do we understand yeah. are we yeah. empathizing like sympathy and empathy was that battle we all had right it's like are we sympathizing with them or are we empathizing with them and it was like that internal fight was something similar to like what we were talking about early in stormblood like what drew us to msq i personally love stormblood's um political kind of drive and that's why i kind of tapped into the end walk sorry shadowbringers because it was that same kind of and is he doing evil but for him it's not evil and so do i understand it if that was me and like that msq was i think what tapped into everybody because we could all resonate with that that was one thing that we all were forced to kind of you know if this was us what would we do him being somber and talking about what he went through made us kind of go like damn like yeah this is a bad guy but like like i don't hate him hate him like i understand him mm -hmm. plus I think you know one of the most powerful characters like i think emmett selk had a huge impact like whereas a lot of the other characters that we met felt like side yeah. content emmett selk mm -hmm. was front and center and he was it um and i think that kind of guided us in a different way that we hadn't seen in previous expansions yeah totally i, I think for, for me like one of my ms like still to this day like top msq moment is that amarat reveal you're yes. going through and then it's just like it's my boom favorite. huge city and you're just like what yeah mm -hmm. It's phenomenal. Shadowbringers, I think, by a, hmm, maybe not fully by a mile, but maybe by a mile. Okay, I'm gonna say it by a mile, by a mile or more. By a, is it a yalm? That's the equivalent. Yalm. I'm not gonna worry <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, by yeah. a yalm is the best narrative in this game. Yeah. I think there's a lot of reasons that you might say, "Hey, I actually really love Heavensward. Hey, I really love the story of this. I love these components. I love this setting. I love this thing." But Shadowbringers is the complete package and then some. It is a well-told, well-paced narrative. It has impactful, touching, and dramatic writing. It has memorable characters. It's in a setting that is phenomenal, fantastical, gets your mind going. Just like you brought up, D, it has these very complex themes that are well-told and that you can relate to and connect with on many levels. And then it has one of the most phenomenal twists in an MMO I have ever seen. How do you, in one moment, recontextualize the very foundations of your world in a way that does not feel cheap, that does not mm. feel gimmicky, that doesn't feel like, <laughs> we just thought you'd all get bored, so we just put something in and it's wild. It was the absolute most incredible context to provide, flesh out, deepen, and elevate 14 
to a game that isn't just standing in the shadow of anything, but that in and of itself has one of the most memorable Final Fantasy narratives of all time. Mm-hmm. And that is no small feat. And it's not to say that there aren't still parts of Shadowbringers that are kind of slow or that there aren't still things, right? But overall, mm-hmm. the story of Shadowbringers is phenomenal to a scale and a degree that I have rarely witnessed in an MMO. Yeah. Yeah, that's literally everything that you just said is why this is my number one. Yeah, same. Uh, we also had uh, the weapons for duties in. <laughs> Sh- I'm trying to keep it going. We don't have <laughs> that much. There's no You're way we're finishing great. this. Go go um, go go go. So we had the weapons, um, which brought us back to Gaius, which brought us a new like kind of mini quest hub with Turncliff, oh, which yeah. was the first. Oh yeah, the Whirlits of Sorrow, right? Was yeah, the... Whirlit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we got to go to Turncliff, which is really cool. Um, uh, maybe some of the solo instances weren't terribly great where they're like, pilot a Gundam. Um, <laughs> I thought some of the fights were really interesting. Obviously, like the second phase of like Ruby weapon was like, holy shit. Like <laughs> that was like, yeah. that was like my, my, my thing for like the longest time is going into like trial roulette and you go into like <laughs> Ruby weapon. It's like somebody's like, it's the first time. And I'm like, excellent. Because yeah. there's always that inevitable. Oh my god, what the hell is yeah. that? Like, and it's just so good. <laughs> Same transition from like, what was the, was it Coil Turn Nine? What was the the one against where you fight Nail? I think it was Nine. Yeah, yeah nine. it's like that same kind of transition. It's just it's so good. It's so good. Um, they also, also introduced um, like Trust here, right? Trusts in Shadowbringers. Yeah, yeah. yeah trusts. Yep. Yeah, weapons quests, the actual fights over time, although they had spectacular moments, those fights, for whatever reason, we were just talking about this recently on the podcast too, they aren't my most memorable, and yet I did really enjoy playing through them. I loved mm-hmm. the reveal with Ruby Weapon, probably one of the coolest shifts in a, and, and surprise reveals in a trial. But the actual fights themselves, when I look at the other trial sequences that we've had, I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, but the story itself ended up being really fantastic, really mm-hmm. deeply affecting, and very nuanced in its discussion about a man who really is a war. He did war crimes. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, "Look, we can turn we can turn Emmett Selk around. We can turn Gaius around." <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Gaius already you. had his own little <laughs> fan club. Uh, chat asking how pilot a Gundam uh, goes under not so great. Uh, if you're a Gundam, why am I locked to the? you know, four feet above the water. Why can't I fly the around? The three abilities you have? Yeah, in Sapphire. Like, <laughs> it's, it was, yeah, it was, I it felt very cheap. being a Gundam cooler. Yeah, you can, you can see a huge reuse of assets in that little fight. There's like, if you look at like the cliff face, it's like the same one like from Kalusia. So you've got like the, the <laughs> elevator on it. Yeah. It's just, it, it was all right. Like it wasn't <laughs> the worst thing ever, but it was eh. Um... Then, of course, we had uh, the Bojan Southern Front, which was uh, an evolution on Eureka, um, where they added duels, which is, like, if you perform really well in a fate, um, you could get picked to do, like, a one-on-one with one of, like, the battlefield generals, which was really cool. Stress which, having yeah. everyone watch you. <laughs> Just but it, but it, was, it, was, it was also a really cool thing because it would, yeah. you know, would kind of put your little, you know, little, little boundary circle in and lock you in. Each one had its own mechanics, but then if you beat it, Everybody mm. that was hanging out and watching got like yeah. an XP boost for like an hour, which was like <laughs> that was really cool. Definitely a lot of pressure though. Like if you lose, everyone's yeah. like, "Okay, yeah, great, thanks for that. I'm glad that you were the one that got picked for that. Good job." Um, <laughs> yeah. But there was some really cool story things in there. Obviously, it, it tied into evilly stuff, which is really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we got some Fran in there. We had um, the uh, the Castrum, which was like a weird open world instance thing. Um, and then we got the Dalriata in part two of that, um, where they did some really cool, interesting like bosses. Um, we and then, like had, the savage, right? The forty something. There was man there was also there? the yeah they had um, Lubrum Regine. Del- yeah, Delibrum Regine, oh, yeah. and then they had a savage mode of that, which was kind yeah. of their like Baldessian arsenal. Mm-hmm. If you had to compare it to something, um, let's see what else was in that. Yeah. I feel Ocean like there was... was a great improvement from Eureka in a sense that many of the systems, many of the actual problems from Eureka, I think they rectified really well in Boja. Mm-hmm. I loved as well the ideas of the additional content that they introduced in Boja because some of it really was super innovative, very interesting. The longevity of it is the big, the big yeah. issue, but the actual content itself is really cool. The zones and the story, I think, fell a bit short for me in that, whereas Eureka, I still feel like I'm discovering all kinds of stuff in the maps where these huge, interesting, intricate things, which sometimes maybe was too much. But at the same time, I felt like Boja felt too little in some of those areas. So it was interesting because it was a mix of different things that I think were really great successes and then maybe as well weren't quite as engaging. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to also have to remember that Boja um, had the field notes as well. So like, and it wasn't always like a guaranteed drop because you you got a mount, you got that little speeder bike thing from twelve if you got all the field notes. So it was it was they used some of that story as like a, a grind slash like RNG like reward right for doing the content, um, which also then kind of like worked against it because like after Southern Front came out and you did all the stuff and then you get like some field notes, it's like, yeah, and then some stuff happened off screen and this guy died. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then Matsudo's like, yeah, so I'm not doing anything with 14 for a bit. And we're like, what? The- That's how you end it? You just like off screen? Like, what? But then at PAX, I think Yoshida said they'd consider going back or something. So it's like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um. We also had a really weird. Uh, the, <laughs> that highlight, Megan. The, that weird X against. Yeah, so yeah. like usually, like in a, in an expansion, right? You have your kind of formulaic cycle of like, all right, we here's the trials we have, and then in Stormblood, they're like, we're just gonna add this one EX fight. There's not a normal version of it, and we're just gonna pluck it out of the. It was it was a fight that you do in one of the quests for mm-hmm. Boja, and it's against uh, was it Solus, uh, yeah, the, the old the old Garlean yeah. dude. Um, and you got you were able to die oh, AF right. from beating. It was yeah. the weirdest thing, the stupidest thing I think they did in that expansion. Um, I literally I only cleared it once, and that was it. Like I didn't yeah. ever want to go back in. Like the gear didn't appeal to me. It's just yeah. I mean, there, I love the AF, but like putting it behind that kind of a barrier when like in all the other expansions they made it easier to get each time, and then they're like EX reward. It's like what the <laughs> hell are yeah. you doing? <laughs> It was a strange kind of choice there, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to get groups to run it. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to literally just find, I think, friends and say, hey, is anybody else willing to just do this? Because I really want the diable version. I, I hope at some point they just remove the diable thing from well, that. Some, some of the stuff and, you can get from the, the new PvP rewards, where it's like the higher res version of AF. So, like, the Gunbreaker one is in there. I'm like, okay, done. Easy. <laughs> like, I can <laughs> PvP. Not a problem. <laughs> Um, 
For tribe quests, we had the Pixies, the Katari, and the Dwarves. No cumulative quest for this one. I was so bummed. Uh, the Katari one also irritated me a lot. Um, yeah. as, as somebody that enjoys lore, and Baldessian Arsenal did this too, where you get a choice. You say, okay, like, Baldessian Arsenal was, was much larger. It's like, this character dies or doesn't die? And you're just like, what? <laughs> okay, that's kind of a big, like, thing. Like, how is that going to be reflected in, like, the encyclopedia in the future, right? Something like that. Um, whereas with the Guitari, it's like, this is our history. It's like, maybe we liked the Namazu. Maybe we killed them and ate them. Like, we don't know. Like, it's just, it's it's really weird. And I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. Uh, the Pixies, I thought, were really cool. I liked how they tied it kind of back into MSQ stuff. Uh, and the dwarves, the dwarves were fun. You get a tank at the end, so like, what's what's not to like? I'd say I like the dwarves. I think the most, like the pixies. I, I'm not like all for like the bubblegum kind of theme. They gave you, they gave you the, the, the they had the playground too, where you could yeah. like go down slides like and it was cute, take but it photos didn't do much and, for me. Yeah. yeah. So like that one wasn't as exciting. The XP was the most exciting thing about that. Yeah. Doing yeah. For leveling and stuff, but yeah, I would say the dwarves would probably my favorite of that expansion. Yeah. Um, DNM came back. <laughs> Remember, DNM? <laughs> DNM's like, I'm not saying those words anymore. Yeah, oops, and that's the end of the show. Um, but this time with Ishgardian Restoration, um, I, I spent a lot of time in there, which surprised me. Uh, I thought they yeah. did a really good job of, of revamping it uh, and tying it into Ishgard Restoration. We had all the rankings and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool the way they did all that. Um, I do have a then, small comment on that. Uh, as a saint of the firmament, I would never do it again. Mm. Yeah, I remember watching Crab. You were mastercrafting so your buff. Yeah. It was yeah. the most stressed. I was working like 10 hours a day because I'm not oh. very good at crafting. So like I wasn't getting like the perfect numbers of things. And that was the most stressful like 10 days of my life, like I playing this game. I and I would I, never do it again. <laughs> I got one of the gathering ones. I don't know if it was it wasn't like the top 10 one, but I think I've got like the I don't know, oh, top the beta, 100 or the, whatever yeah, the, yeah, the lesser. Anyone in the top 100 or anyone in the top 12. So yeah, I got I was, Beta, I, was I think, 100. first two times, and then I got Saint the last time. And I li Oof. literally, it, it has ruined crafting for me. I have not touched crafting since oh, then. Wow. Because it, it had such a rough experience for me. Like, and yeah, I don't, I don't, it, had I gone back in time and did it again, I would have been the Beta of the Firmament. I'll take it, whatever. It's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's definitely something that I think even when it first came out, we, after that initial period we talked about, I hope if they do something like this again with the ranking system, they find some other way, some additional way to judge this in some, you know, because it does seem like people, either it was bots or people broke mm -hmm. themselves to do yeah. it. And yeah. it there really wasn't much of an in-between. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely uh, have heard that from others. Yeah. And then another thing I didn't imagine I'd play as much as I did ocean fishing with Shadowbringers as well. They're like, we're going to add fishing boats yeah. and stuff. And I was like, what? It was <laughs> super chill and I loved it. It was it was an easy way to level up Fisher if it wasn't at cap yet. Um, and you can jump in at like level 10. Late. Yeah. Like I, I think Fisher was one of the last ones I leveled because I was really slow to level my gatherers in Shadowbringers. But it took me till almost the end of Shadowbringers to really get into fishing. Um, and mm. then when I finally got on board, I was like fishing every boat. And I was like, okay, I have a problem now. ADHD <laughs> hyperfixation. Thank you. Um, so I'm actually, speaking of that, I'm, I'm excited about the new news that we're going to be getting another one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was huge. It was great for helping people level it, great for giving additional content for fishers, great for rewards and other things. And I think it's sort of become an entry point for many people who had never tried fishing content before. 
Yeah. I will say I did level one to cap fishing and I have no idea how to fish to this day. Yeah. I remember my very first voyage, people were just shouting out bait yep. and I was like, is that what we do here? So I didn't look what voyage we were on. I would be like, krill. And they were like, this isn't krill. I'm like, oh, is that not what we just do? Do you not just say krill in chat and chat? chat? <laughs> very much griefed, very much griefed all of light. I do apologize in advance. I had no idea what I was doing. That's wonderful. Um... Yeah, so, and that's yeah, Shadowbringers. That's... I we're 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 at time. We need to still outro. Um, I know, I know. We'll have to maybe we'll have to do something <laughs> with Endwalker that's more of a as opposed to going through all the bullet points, we kind of just generally talk about Endwalker if yeah. everybody's good and if everybody is still mm-hmm. Okay. Uh but I mean with Shadowbringers, I know we had a couple of you already say it's your favorite. How many people would say that Shadowbringers is, is their favorite expansion? It's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Fusion, it, it, you said it's tied. It, it might be tied for first with, with Heaven's okay. Word. Okay. I'm torn. <laughs> I think, I think for me, I think Shadowbringers takes it as my favorite, as in favorite complete package. Mm. I think the story and the content and additional things. Now, in Shadowbringers, they had already culled down to one dungeon versus two. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer, but I think as a complete entire thing with the content and cycles and stuff that we had, it's probably Shadowbringers for me. But Endwalker is incredibly close for me okay. as a favorite, and I think in story, Endwalker does, even with the reveal and even with everything, and even with its many flaws, I think Endwalker does take favorite position for me, but it's tough on those two. It's close. It's close. So, Endwalker then. It, with everybody, what do you think what do you think about Endwalker? What do how did you feel about Endwalker? Krev, do you want to do you want to start off? Yeah, I would say Endwalker had an amazing story. I bawled my eyes out at the end. Like I have like and I I I think the story has been emotional, but that was the only time I have ever like legitimately bawled in my chair and redid it on my alt just so I could ball again. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it it was, it was the, probably the most powerful impact I've ever gotten from a story for sure. I think the pacing reminds me of Stormblood a little bit. Like you mentioned earlier, Fusion, I think an area is like 84 to like, maybe we're in Garlemald, kind of like for me felt a lot more stagnated. It was a bit more kind of just learning the lay of the land. and It was more just kind of learning what people were up to. To me, that was a bit slow, but similar to Krev, like I don't think you can, I'm not sure you're legally allowed to play an alt and skip the last like level. Like sometimes I'll, I'll see, you know, the, the kind of little screen caps in like Twitch and I'm like, oh, you're about to cry? Say less. And I'll just sit there and I'll join the journey because yeah. it is 100% just like a a punch gut and that that ending when, and I love the Enos to bit. Like like you said, like Rourke and Stormblood, yes, slay, kill us, fight us. And then they came back again. And it's like your Stola on the flow for some reason. Like your Stola just loves going into that thing and coming back out whenever they choose. And like Xenos kind of comes back and leaves whenever they can. But that ending, that like last monologue, similar to what happened with Emmett Selk, it was so powerful. Like I loved it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the story of Endwalker, it has problems. I I will be the first to admit that. <laughs> I think it has massive pacing problems in some areas. I think that they could have easily in in some parts of the story made much better use particularly on the moon and all the focus on the loperets and things like that. I think they could have shifted the focus in so many ways that would have made better use of time in certain areas. The infamous slow part with Charlene towards the end where you have to go around and talk to all those dumb people and then like right <laughs> But, but for me, Endwalker had the highest highs and the lowest lows. It, it was 
a journey unlike anything. I mean, it was, like you both said, one of the most emotionally resonant things I've ever experienced. And that will not hit the same for everybody as Fusion will absolutely tell I'm us just about. like, oh, <laughs> you're just you're just setting me up for disappointment here. This is great. But I it was so heartfelt in a way that for any flaws, for any issues, for any places where sure there's probably critique and feedback that I can give, I also was so deeply affected by it and changed forever from having played it. And I think I think that is profound, you know? And Elpis and everything, so many of the emotional points in that story went to places that I was just a mess. I yeah. was just, all I could do was sob, it, like a, just sob, just sob, ugly cry for oh my ages. God. I, bro, yeah. I remember you doing Elpis, the last cutscene, you were just singing along and I was sobbing with you. I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, when you're watching Van Out oh. walk back, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. I love, like you were saying, love watching everybody's reactions and seeing, you know, everybody's journey through it and even seeing what I've been able to catch up all of your content with anything that you did. It, it just, it ties us all together in that way. And it's just incredible. Um, yeah, I was a hot mess. And there were many parts where I went off on rants or tangents or I had really powerful, messy feelings about the expansion as well, where I was just riled up or I didn't care for Xenos or I didn't care for whatever. But even so, it made me feel so much. So... In those regards, Endwalker's story is my favorite, hands down. Is the entire package, especially now that we're into the patch cycle, my absolute favorite expansion? Maybe, maybe not. I think Shadowbringers takes it, but I, I do think the story was phenomenal. Now, Fusion, poop all over what I said. Okay, cool. So, uh, Xenos <laughs> is the worst thing to ever happen to Final Fantasy XIV. He was great in Stormblood. We did Harsh. cover this earlier. I thought he was yeah. great in Stormblood. The idea true, true. of having a, a villain that defeated us multiple times, even. Super cool. Um, and then they brought him back and he was just this cardboard standee that just kept coming up and annoying us. And I wanted nothing to do with him. I yelled at my screen when he showed up towards the end and I'm like, yeah. why are you here? Yeah. Go away. I just, I, <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with him. Um, the, the time I cried the most was that cutscene about Urianjay and Moonbrita, which, oh which, which is saying something cause I'm not a big fan of Urianjay. That's not it was very emotional. Regardless it was very emotional, right? Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I'll say the rest of Endwalker. As soon as they introduced little emo bird girl in the eleventh hour, I, I gave, I, I didn't care anymore. Like the idea for me, like it felt like the thing in media lately has been to like subvert expectations for the sake of subverting expectations. That's what that was to me, and I. I didn't care about it at all. Like the fact that like, Oh, it's this little girl that this dude made and she can like feel feelings. And that's why everything happened. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Let's go to the moon and fight. So oh, he Zodiac's not even finished and it's going to be possessed by literal clown. Okay. <laughs> like it just, a lot of it just swung and missed hard for me. And I think a lot of that was expectations that I had built up over playing this game for like 10 plus years. Um, but also, like, Xenos was the most boring character, and that the, the they pulled him back again and again and again. And then, like, the way that they ended it was like, yeah, we're going to fight and punch each other. And it's like this epic conclusion. I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I that like comical, though, at the very least. Yeah, it's like yeah. we're punching, like, punching each other. And I'm like, all right, yeah. it's just, I don't know. It, 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 <laughs> 
a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff missed for me on, on, on the story. There were great moments though. Like I said, like the fact that they made me cry for like a, at a character's cutscene that I really like, he's okay, but I'm not like a huge, like Uriange fan or by any means. Right. But like they could write good story. Uh, but there were just some elements in it that just like, that wasn't, wasn't for me. And that's fine. Every, like so many other people resonated with it. And you know, Rook, mm-hmm. Rook is like, this is like a life-changing experience. And that's great. <laughs> for me, it wasn't for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, when it comes to the actual range of content and things in Endwalker, it's funny because I think we've gotten some stuff that have been really great ideas, really great concepts, and that I've enjoyed in many ways. But I think shifting to this four-month cycle and perhaps not having as much of certain things or not having systems that were as involved as maybe we hoped with like Island Sanctuary and stuff... I have noticed, whether it's just the 10-year arc or other things, that I have not felt as engaged or motivated in the post-expansion cycle. A thousand percent. Like, I've enjoyed, I've loved the patch story and things like that. I have also really enjoyed parts of the content, but I think that's where Endwalker kind of falls short for me in how I'm kind of feeling some of the content right now. I don't know if you all agree, but it seems like maybe there's some consensus. I definitely, this is the first time I've ever, like, besides just having the frustrations of the Stormblood tech launch, um, this is the first time I've felt very disconnected with the game. Like, I come back and maybe play it, like, once a week, maybe every other week. Um, And I had never done that in, you know, previous expansions. Mm. I either played it off stream when I wasn't streaming it, or I just played more often. But yeah, this one, I would say it's just, like, uh, this is the first time in, you know, I started playing in 2015, so what, eight years, that I've been like, okay, I don't need to log in for a patch. Like... And that was that was rough. That was a hard realization for me and realized that this expansion wasn't quite what I was hoping it would be. Mm. I'm hoping it picks up. I think I think there was a mention, wasn't there, coming into 7.0 that there's going to be some sort of catastrophic 1.0-esque uh, event like lead up into 7.0. Um, so right now, 100%, like I do feel like it's kind of like a slow burn currently. It reminds me of almost patch 5.4 in like Shadowbringers where it's kind of just like laying down the foundations of showing, you know, the towers and here's a dungeon and you're kind of meeting Zero and you're meeting the fiends. So like it definitely is like a slow burn currently. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens afterwards. I'm hoping yeah. we've got like another what two more patches left. It's, but, it's, yeah. it's a different narrative approach than they've done before as well because mm-hmm. usually with, with an expansion, you'll get like the big like here's the story. And then yeah. they'll finish it in like the next three patches. But with 6.0, it was like, here's this. And then we have like this whole thing with like Golbez and the Four Fiends, which is it it still feels very much as like a little filler arc like while they work yeah. on like whatever like the next big thing is. And mm-hmm. just knowing that it is kind of a little filler arc takes me away, like takes me out of that a little bit. And like like what you said, Krev, I I love Final Fantasy 14. I've been playing since the first alpha for 1.0. I do a podcast about Final Fantasy 14. <laughs> I've never been so bored with the game. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's hard. And it, especially, yeah. and it makes us feel like there's something wrong with us, I feel like, sometimes. Where I'm like, man, okay, well, everyone else is still playing. Why can't I get engaged? And, so, and honestly, at a certain point when you've been playing for as long as eight years or even longer in your case, like the, the, bre- the breaks are healthy. And Yoshi P has told us this time and, and time again. Like, go play other games. Like, Unsub. Oh, it's okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, if you're not having a good time, go do something else. And that's been something that I've been able to, like, hold on to, I guess, to, to help keep myself engaged with the game. Mm. Yeah. I will say that personally, I have really, really enjoyed the story 
the I, I think the setup, even with it being a smaller arc, feels much more robust to me personally than the tower stuff and other things that felt so much to me leading up into Endwalker as though they were just treading water because they didn't want to give anything at all away for what mm -hmm. was coming. And the towers and things ended up just really being not at all that much of a thing that mattered. <laughs> I mean, like they kind of mattered, but it was sort of swept under the rug, you know? So we put I, this I guy's body like, parts in him and they're gone. <laughs> yeah. I have felt much more engaged and compelled by the characters, locations and narrative that we have in the story here. And thinking just really quickly through the content, I actually have really enjoyed a lot of the content. The 12 raids are probably my favorite Alliance raids. Pandemonium raids. I love the setting and other things. The actual fights and mechanics themselves. I've been a little bit on the fence about, but I actually think the, the way it ties into lore and what it's giving us insight into is really fascinating. Uh, the Four Fiends, I really liked Barb's fight. I have not been as intrigued by the... I, I don't know. I, I just haven't really done much of the extreme grind here, I guess, at the end. Mm -hmm. And I, I did grind out. I did do some of Barb's, and I did really enjoy that fight. But I haven't just been as engaged with the other things. Um, Eureka Orthos maybe is my least favorite of the deep dungeons right now but it's still i haven't done the bonus floors yet so i'm still like yeah. working my way towards that so i'll have to wait and see and i love better, sure. yeah i figured i figured um the variant and criterion dungeons i have i actually am obsessed with the concept the longevity yeah. and repeatability of them is the big thing and the tribe quests have been my favorite in the entire game. I think they've been so mm -hmm. well done and are really deeply affecting and are, you know, like almost the capstone of a lot of the zones. And the arc yeah. were a little bit, you know, kind of fun, but Omicron's, oh, holy butts. Like um, that's the, the Omicron, <laughs> the Omicron dailies, like just, oh my, they, they resonated with me so hard. I just like, which is weird because I like a lot of the other themes and stuff with Endwalker were just kind of like, eh, to me, but like something about just the Omicrons and just like that zone and like getting to kind of, rebuild like society for these like technically not real people like it just it was something really interesting about it um arctic Sadar, it was it was elephant doordash and that's uh, that's really funny to me they race hippos they're doordash they're elephants i don't know uh loperate ones i it's it's cool like the music that plays like they got like a dj like it's cool it's cool as hell i love it um <laughs> i think out of all the expansions this set of tribe quest is my favorite i hope they have a cumulative quest I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, <laughs> Off the letdown of Shadowbrook is, please. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like like what Rook said with the the variant criterion dungeons. Like, I think the idea of it's super cool. Um, but I never, I never even actually finished all the paths of the first one. Like, I did, I did a fair amount of them, but I just kind of got bored with it because it's a lot of rep, rep, you know, repetition, and then you do like one thing at the end. <laughs> it's just like yeah. it's all different now. Um, eh, it wasn't my thing. For fiends, I loved the fast pace. Uh, Barisha fight. I thought that was really cool. We haven't had something kind of like that crazy and active before. Um, I, I haven't done a lot of Rubiconte. Like I did it like once or twice in Roulette, and that was it. I I love what they did with the music. Um, you know, as somebody that like having you know been around the the Final Fantasy like community for a while, seeing like who they pulled in to do that and how it was a nod to this one thing. I thought that was super awesome. Um, the twelve raids. I think it's cool that they're answering questions. Like that's what Endwalker was supposed to be. It was supposed to be answering a lot of questions, and they're they're slowly getting there with with uh, with the twelve raids. Uh, Pandemonium. Um, it's it's interesting. I didn't think we'd go back to Elpis, but you know here we are going back and, and seeing whatever this is. I'm curious what 
the payoff is going to be like what's going to be the thing that happens that we all go oh and that's why <laughs> x is y or like it has to have some kind of big like holy crap moment right um so hopefully we'll see that in the next patch so any thoughts on content either of you before we start heading towards our wrap up I would say side quests have been great. The Hildebrand quests are great. Um, yes. I'm actually okay with the relic being the way it is. I know that's controversial, but uh, as now a more casual player, it's been nice to be able to do that casually. Um, but yeah, I would say side quests have been amazing. That Alpha and Omega quest was really adorable. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed Hildebrand this so, uh, this uh, expansion so far, but I've also really enjoyed it in past expansions too. So yeah, I would say uh, overall it had some really interesting side content. I was not a big fan of like Island Sanctuary. I don't really care that much about it. Um, and Criterion was an interesting concept, but it's really hard to find groups for. So that that was kind of another thing where like I wish I could do it more to really give a full opinion on it. But yeah, that's about probably where I stand. I, I, yeah, I forgot Island Sanctuary. I, I, I played the hell out of Island Sanctuary when it first came out. <laughs> but it's one of those things like... I mean, there were there were some people that actually like like grinded max rank like the first day, which means all they did was like walk around and like gather for like ten hours. Not me. It took me a few days. Like I'm not even tapped. (laughs) Yeah, I probably went faster than some people, but I I really loved it. But then like after that, it's like okay, um, I have some gill. I can buy (laughs) stuff to make an otter fountain, and that's that's it. That's all. That's all there is. Um, So I'll be curious to see you know how they evolve it. Like. Obviously, we're going to get outdoor furniture placement with the patch. Mm. So, like, that idea of, like, hey, maybe housing will be more accessible to people with, like, instance housing and lotteries won't be, like, a shit show anymore. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, but it's, it's one of those things, too, right, where it's – I do appreciate that they are experimenting and adding new things, especially something that – you know, in an MMO isn't always something that you see, right? You think in MMO, yeah. you're like, okay, battle content or like some kind of battlegrounds, open world fighting, PvP, something. They're like, how would you like to get your own island and like just make your own little industry on this island? You can like get some animals <laughs> and like that's that's cool. You know, it's it's a it's a different change of pace um, from just battling stuff. Um, so, you know, and again, like if they don't try it, they're never going to know if it takes off or, or anything yeah. like that. So, mm. um, yeah, I've been enjoying Island Sanctuary. I think it's great, but they're, you know, like a lot of content, you get to a point with it where you're like, okay, I'm done. There's nothing else to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Dee, did you have any final thoughts about any of the, uh, other content we've had in Endwalker? I think this is probably the expansion we've had. I wouldn't say the most content, but like we've touched recently, they've tried the most here, you know, like. Introducing different. Well, Crystalline Conflict came out in in yeah. Walker Two, wasn't it? That was yes. a new feature that came out. Yeah, so like, yeah. like things like that. Like I feel like even though like Crab mentioned, like sometimes they hit and miss. Like Ah Savage kind of picked up and kind of people did it for the first week and then kind of dropped off. And yeah, you can't refold it. And maybe they can figure out ways to revitalize it. But they're trying. You know, they're kind of implementing these kind of different aspects of the game to try and revitalize and try and bring back people into playing different aspects of the game. So I do I do think while maybe sometimes it hasn't always lifted off, they are doing the most, I feel like, in this Endwalker expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you have it, everybody. It turns out that Shadowbringers, I think, was the one that was the greatest consensus amongst all of us as being the we best. Gotta, we got I want to I want to hear everyone's it. ranking before oh, we stop geez, this. Oh, geez, full ranking. I want the oh. full I want the full ranking. And if you <laughs> okay. if you have ones that tie, that's okay. That's allowed. Okay, okay. Okay. I can go first because I don't mind it. So I rank first Shadowbringers. And then after that I put Endwalker. And after that I put Controversial, I put Stormblood, and then I put Hemsword, and then I put a Realm Reborn. So that's my my one five to one. 
Okay. I would say my number one is Shadowbringers. My number two is Heaven's Word. My number three is Endwalker. My number four is Stormblood. Uh, and then fifth, I guess, a Realm Reborn, oh. if we're counting that. Okay. I think I'm, I'm pretty close to you, D. Mine, my favorite is neck and neck. Shadowbringers, <laughs> probably just a tiny bit more for the complete package. Underneath that, Endwalker, although, again, it's so close. And in different aspects, I might switch it around, you know? Um, and then, I think that having talked with all of you today... I'm going to do something so brave but controversial and say that, yeah, D, I think Stormblood is up next yeah. for me. Because while I have sassed Stormblood in the past, the more I reflect on it, the more I think about how wonderful that time in the game was and how much content spoke to me in mm -hmm. that particular time of the game. So I'm going to have to say Stormblood. And then Heavensward, although, again, I love Heavensward. And then probably a Realm Reborn. Okay. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this backwards. I'm going to build some anticipation. So my least favorite, I think, I, I, I don't have, I don't know where, where ARR fits in this, but I think my least favorite, and I know it's not finished yet, Endwalker. So anyway, thank you everyone tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Endwalker, just, just cumulatively right now at the bottom yeah. of my list, um, followed by Stormblood. Um, and then I think we're, it's a real close... Ty, I think I think Shadowbringers comes just out ahead of of Heaven's Word. So Shadowbringers, Heaven's Word, Stormblood, Endwalker for me. With well, with maybe with maybe oh. like if I had a sandwich two point <laughs> in there, probably above Endwalker. Oh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you had really good reasons for not liking it. So like, I don't. I I was like originally gonna judge the heck out of you before we started. <laughs> oh, go but, ahead. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but no, like you actually brought up really valid points on like kind of why that didn't yeah. resonate as much with you. So it really gave me like some things to think about. It's like, oh, you know, I didn't yeah. even really think about that. Is it high ranking for me? So yeah. yeah. Everybody's okay. different, and if you don't agree with me, it's fine. You're just wrong. I'm kidding. It's a <laughs> yeah. It's a joke. Everybody's got their own opinion. Yeah. The one thing we have a consensus on is that Stormblood is not actually burning garbage. Yeah. Dog poop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not fine. a favorite, but it's certainly not a trash expansion. It's not the yeah. worst. <laughs> and in fact, I really would say that in a game like 14, there really is no true abysmal worst. Maybe. Original Diadem. That's the worst. Yeah. Diadem 1.0 is categories. the worst yeah. expansion. <laughs> and because it crashed our stream multiple times today, talking yeah. about it. No, yeah. I mean, there really is no true worst. I think that this whole game set such, such a high bar for MMOs and the MMO experience that even in places where you might say, this was, I enjoyed this more or less for whatever reason. I mean, it still has been an amazing 10 years. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I, think I think at the end of the day, it's like, all right, if you like that content and it's great, that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Like, that's how I feel with like Island Sanctuary and a lot of other things. So like, mm -hmm. that's kind of my feelings on that. Yeah, I think I think the next step for this is to just do like a, a straight up tier list. Just take each little bit of content and just oh, yeah. map it out. And that's how you get the definitive. Mm, that's a best good idea. And worst. Maybe I'll look oh, yeah. doing that. Maybe. Yeah, that might, we might have to do that sometime. Not today, though. We're already over time. So yeah. uh, <laughs> let's do our outros here. Uh, Krev, once again, tell everybody what you do and where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am a Final Fantasy XIV streamer. Um, I do a lot of indie games as well. You can find me at twitch.tv slash Krev um, and on Twitter at KrevLMTV. We do a lot of uh, indie games. But we also talk about mental and physical health a lot as a disabled veteran. And I look forward to meeting you guys all soon. Yeah. 
We love Crav. We uh, do love Crav. <laughs> we love Crav. <laughs> um, I'm D or Dinag. I've got Dinag Life everywhere. So I'm Dinag Life on Twitch, Twitter, TikTok, all those places. I'm wearing uh, Final Fantasy XIV Focus Content Creator 2. I also have played Final Fantasy XIV. I'm now working backwards. I'm now experiencing the games, having experienced them here in fourteen. So we've kind of gone through the seven OGs, Crisis Cores, soon the remake, and then 12. But yeah, we're kind of uh, delving into the Square Enix franchise a bit more. We love D. D's amazing. Go check Yay. out D. Yes, both Stop. of our guests, absolutely awesome. Go check them out. Links are in the chat. They'll be up in the episode description. Make sure to give them some follows. Uh, if you want, if you aren't already, you can follow me. Oh, I messed up the larian again. It's fine. You can still read it. Uh, <laughs> Twitter and Twitch at RaffleDerg, R-O-F-L-D-R-G, and at YouTube, RaffleDergX, because uh, somebody else was already RaffleDerg. I guess that's just that happens. The, it's the way the internet works. I don't know. Um, Rook, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitch at Rookery. That's R-O-O-K-U-R-I. You can also find me on YouTube at the same. And you can find me on Twitter at Rookery underscore. I have been updating Instagram sort of kind of a little bit more sometimes when I remember. So if you want to find me over there, it's also just at Rookery. When, next time you remember Instagram, let me know and we can actually add it to the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well. We talked about yeah. it once and then we keep forgetting that Instagram exists. So. Yeah, uh, keep being on the fence. <laughs> if you want, you can email us aetheriteradio at gamerscape.com. You can tweet at us at aetheriteradio. You can also find us as Gamerscape on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Discord. Discord.gg slash Gamerscape. We've got our Final Fantasy 14 channel. We've got our Aetherite Radio channel. Come talk. If, you, if, you, if that's a thing that you do, if you want to chat with people about things, we, we got that. And that's it. That's it. That we did we did a show. So thank you everybody <laughs> for tuning in this week. Thank you again to Krev and D for joining us. Uh, it was it was a really interesting talk. Um, no, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. That's gonna do it. We'll uh, see you all next time. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.